Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. Lord, all night Sunday, Central. Oh yeah, yeah. What the, so you told him I'm busy. I got oh, I, I did. I said I'm busy. I got, I got comedy. Yeah. No, I mean, you can come that, out to the show. That's <laughs> why I wanted to go see a movie. You can come out to the show, mom. She asked me earlier when I was asleep if I liked Clint Eastwood. I think that was, I think that was a way to try to trick me into going to the movies. <laughs> that so should you, be like if there were if there were a test on whether you could move to Bakersfield or not. That would be question one. Do you, you like, like? Do you like Clint Eastwood? Do you like Clint Eastwood? Dude, that was I, I, which which portion of the movie Gran Torino do you like? Dude, can I tell you the truth? Yeah, I'll, I'll share this with the listeners. Also, please do. First time I ever fingered a girl was in while I was watching Gran Torino in the movie theater. Really? Yeah. That's a good way to start. <laughs> That's a, this is the Bomb Diaries, right? This is the, I'm, just, I'm letting it all. You were out the Bomb. Today, what dude? movie theater? Uh, Edward Cinema. How old were you? What year did that movie come out? I would say I was about fifteen, or maybe. Good for ma- you. I don't. I think I was fifteen because my mom dropped me off at the movie, so I couldn't drive yet. Yeah. Little did she know I was going for you it. You were that a cool day. kid. You were getting started finger popping already. If, oh if, yeah, that was pretty good. I saw two movies that day. I remember. I was you didn't a, see any movies that day. <laughs> right. I remember. I just in the background of Gran Torino, he's like, "Where you Get off my lawn, <laughs> dude! That movie. Get on my finger. Yeah. Did he write that? Did he write that movie? I imagine so. He was just looking for reasons to be racist. <laughs> yeah. He didn't have a chair to yell at at the moment, so what he else? wrote that. I saw a second movie that day. I saw. T- I remember because Gran Torino was the second movie I saw. Double that feature. Day. You yeah. wore this poor girl out. <laughs> <laughs> was because the first movie we went and saw, we were uh, we were making out hard, and I was like, "This is what it's all about." Yeah. And then I was like, "Let's just go see another movie." And I fucked up where we went outside of the movie theater first, and I was like, "We should go see another movie." Where I should have just done the movie hop thing and then saved some. Oh, money. just pop right so over. I bought two tickets. That could have been what got you in there though, because she's like, "This guy's a baller. Like, oh yeah. he's, he could take me to." You could take me to a matinee double feature. I do remember I was wearing moccasins. Also, wearing moccasins right now. You're wearing moccasins um, right. Yeah, well, you're not fingering yeah, anybody. Yeah, I was gonna say, who <laughs> let's turn on Gran Torino and see what happens. Is, is this the first time that you learned where a vagina actually? Oh was? yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't that something? Farther down. It's far. It's she had way, on jeans. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah, it's but it's 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 way it's way farther back. Right, that's, that's a the, search mission you never expected. Yeah, I that's think every young man. That's true. If you're a young man listening out there and you're looking to finger somebody, I think the first time I ever did it was uh, same thing, jeans, trying to get underneath of a belt, and my ha- I got a big hand, so it only goes so far, yeah. and I'm like, surely, like it's got to be here. Yeah, I got to just be really screwing this up and. Mm-hmm. I didn't even get there that day. Jeez, it took were, you, me, were you at a movie theater? I was at a movie theater. Really? Uh huh. That's a, there's God. Movie theaters were there's all kinds of weird shit happening inside the movie. Oh my god! I wouldn't even go if I go to a movie theater. I'm not sitting. If I'm not in one of the back three rows, I'm not going because God oh, knows what happens people, behind your yeah, head. Yeah, you don't want people behind you. Yeah, yeah you got to be in the back because you want to see that shit. That, <laughs> <laughs> you want to be able to look down and be like, "That's what I'm talking." Uh, about. Okay, some, some kids right are there. still passing the torch along here. They are. I've, oh, that's weird. Dude. It is gross. You got to clean those seats. You grew up in town here, so what yeah. were the hookup spots? Like, what were the places oh, that you dude. a movie theater for? You the guys movies. had so much stuff here. All we had is movie theater and like. But in the woods, <laughs> like, <laughs> so I got caught. The first actual girlfriend I had, we used to get caught fooling. I got caught behind a grocery store by the cops one time, fooling Jeez. around. What grocery store? What's it called? Uh, Redner's. 
Redner's in Shenandoah. We would fight behind the grocery store. Not us. We were, lo- <laughs> <laughs> we were loving. You were putting it down all the way behind a grocery store. I was getting there. I was I was on the way to it. And like then, like in, like near the dumpster or like on the boxes. It was near the dumpster, not on the boxes. It was just in the back of the building, and it was raining out. And we were just we were just rubbing were up you, on each other. Were you under any kind of nope? Just in the rain. Just in the elements. Just just disgusting Jeez. kid. And then the a car. For some pulls. reason, I imagine what's that bear movie? The movie not not that bear movie. The movie uh, where Brad Pitt or no Leonardo DiCaprio fights the bear. Oh, that's what I'm imagining. <laughs> is that kind of that kind of? It is. It is just like that. We're braving the yeah. Like the second time I had sex was in the snow. Jeez. Yeah, it was. It's tough back in the Northeast. You have a lot of siblings, though, right? I have a lot of siblings. Uh, my room didn't have a door on it. So that made it different because for privacy reasons or because you like kicked the door off or something. My dad built in it when I moved into my dad's house, like he's he built an addition for me to fit in it. <laughs> but he only did like 60 percent of the addition. So it didn't have heat. I had this kerosene heater that used to like I used to have like black soot coming out of my nose. When I'd blow my nose. It was just ridiculous. It had no floor. So it was like a plywood floor. There's no carpeting. Uh, still sheetrock on the walls. It looked like a cave. Like if, <laughs> <laughs> if I had this equi- if I had this equipment back then, it would have been a pretty cool podcast. <laughs> yeah, you're describing the. But it was yeah, did. it was long before then. So first of all, it was actually some days it was warmer outside to fool around than it would have been in there. And then also, I would have had like an eight year old brother walking in and seeing whatever we were doing. You didn't put beads on your door or anything. I no, I didn't think of that. I should have done. I should have done a little partition or. Maybe a little roll down. Man. So this time in the snow, what, what was that like? I'm not sure. No, not I wanna, good. I don't want to turn the interview on the interview. No, interviewer, feel free. Not holy good. Holy guac, I was, new, I was new to sex, so I was terrible at it anyway. The snow. Yeah. I didn't even know how to put a condom on. You ever see the 40-year-old virgin? Yeah. That's exactly how I would try to roll it all the way out and then... Well, dude, still, even to this day, the, 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 <laughs> the, most, the most... I still do that. Yeah. The most nerve-wracking part of life ever, like the most nerves you could ever have in life is uh the part between like a chick agreeing to have sex with you and putting the condom and yeah. getting the condom all the way on that's like the most like and you're, you're supposed to you're supposed to remain erect if i don't want to break the break the fourth wall here. exactly but, uh, no <laughs> but, no please <laughs> you know this is what the podcast is about is to ins- you do have to stay erect and that's the tough part while you're trying to figure out this piece of machinery right it's it's no they should have like a like a like a like not like a gun, but like a, a thing. yeah, like you know, a, where you a, put something on, and like an applicator. Yeah, and a, there you go. Like what? Like the tampons hey, have the, like cut, a thing. Cut this just out. A, <laughs> cut this out. And let's go. Let's get to work on this after <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> We're trying them on it right now as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> but, by the way, I'm older. I'm over thirty. So there's the, the first step is to get hard. Yeah, and then the, and then the second step is to stay hard long enough to put it on chris actually has these written on his wall it's like get hard <laughs> stay hard use a condom it's right on the door first thing get I, do, I, I do want to tell people chris has two bookshelves full of books and that's all margaret i just did an episode with margaret a few days ago and she pointed out that i've been here almost five years and still have nothing on the walls yeah i mean but what are you really gonna it's a it's a serial killer's i mean apartment. you have ted on the dvd ted yeah, uh, those are new additions. Those are new additions. You have t- we got Ted, we got Grown Ups, we have Ar- Arthur. Is that Arthur like the kid, the PBS show? I'm pretty show? sure it's the Russell Brand oh, Arthur. Okay, I thought it was the PBS show. Oh, that would be good. A lot of good memes <laughs> yeah, come out of that yeah, Arthur. That Arthur is. Did you watch Arthur? No. I used to have to watch Teletubbies just to get to Arthur. 
Because really? whenever I lived in a house where it's like if you wanted, if like whoever like had uh, control of the TV, that you had to, you had to. So I would have to sh- get there early, oh, okay. put on Teletubbies, and be like, "This shit sucks." But yeah. I know Arthur's up next, so you'll and I want to remain in control of the TV. So I used to. You have two older sisters, right? Yeah, they used so, to beat the fuck out of me. Did they really? Yeah. By dude. the way, you, uh, what a sweet picture you had with your your niece and two nephews. Yeah, my, yeah, Is my, the young baby nephew, nephew. Uh, your your the your blonde sister's kid, the the one who's married to the or the larger with, the larger with the huge boy. bodybuilder guy? Yeah, yeah. the boy. Yeah, the, yeah. Then the little one. The, yeah, yeah, the bo- the little baby boy because he's enormous. Like he's gonna be. Oh, he's a big dude. A mountain. He's a large baby. Of a ch- I looked at that picture and I went, well, "That's." That's the most jacked baby I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, dude, he's a large. I'm afraid of that baby. He he goes pretty hard too. My God, he doesn't give a fuck. What's what is up with do you? Want to ha- do you want to have kids eventually? Eventually, I just don't. I got so much shit to get out of the way. Like I'm not grown up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have Ted on DVD. That'd I do be, have Ted. Call it a day after. I have you get the Russell that. Brand Arthur, so he, I teach my kid to not be an alcoholic. I guess. Yeah, I mean, you also, dude, you got uh, what, you got an Ernest Hemingway book over there. That's about writing. What's crazy? I have a bunch of books on my bookshelf at home, but they're all for looks. Like I stole them from my grandma. Yeah, uh, while she wasn't looking, <laughs> I was went. To, my grandma has a bunch of bookshelves in her in a room in her house, and I just took a bunch of books out of there just because they were funny. I took like Roots and then like a a, a bush <laughs> for a goof, yeah, for a, <laughs> just a joke. So I have Roots on my thing. I have like three uh, shelf like th- on a bookshelf. I have like three complete shelves of books, and it's all literally mixed in with like. Roots, uh, like some other shit, and then like a UCB improv. So you book. look, you look super woke. If oh yeah, dude, house. yeah, I dude, that's how I landed. You are a great now. family stealer, by the way. Like we do oh, when yeah. we do our annual Thanksgiving get together, you always come over with the best desserts. Oh, I, t- yeah, I, I and always... sides because you go you go to one of your family's Thanksgiving sometimes and, two of them and deplete them of all of their dishes. Well, I wait till everyone's done and then I'm like, all right, folks, I'm fucking packing <laughs> packing up shop here. Yeah, I got in trouble for, tra- for taking some banana pudding last because it's oh you did I got in a little it was bit great. of caught a little bit of heat on the uh, old banana pudding. They got uh, a whole year to forget room. though. Yeah, but it's like they they were all done. They all are, are pretty sauced at this point, so they. They, they seem like they're done, and then I get caught taking the banana pudding. I'm like, whoa, excuse me. I didn't know Aunt Julie. I didn't know yeah, you were going to come back for the banana pudding. Speaking of the reading just for show, that's what I call the bottom shelves right there. I, those are all for show. The corporate finance and governance? That's never correct. When I was, here's what would happen. Yeah, the Eddie Izzard thing? He's, is he a lady now? I don't know. He dress, dresses like a girl. The book was boring. He should have written yeah. it. He should have waited until he was a lady. to. Yeah, because I don't know. If, I don't, he, maybe he just dresses like a girl now because... I know this guy. Uh, what's uh, who, what's uh, who, what's the name? I can't think of what's. Um, Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner. That's <laughs> who I'm talking about. Hey, hey, bitches. Uh, this girl, I can't think of. Um, that was a good Caitlyn Jenner. Thanks. You man. did a good me on the phone, by the way. I don't know how to feel about that. Oh yeah, well, I was calling him. <laughs> can you, can ma- you give us a real quick one? Of Chris Ah, uh, you've reached Chris Flail. This is uh, <laughs> well. You have kind of that. That sounds like me in a Batman audition. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you have that thing that Tim Tebow does, where he talks every t- between every <laughs> single sentence. Tim Tebow, he goes, ah. Uh, uh, I do do that. Yeah, I don't mean to do that. If you listen to Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow can't be an announcer because that's how he talks. Yeah, he every two, every single sentence he like breathes out. It's kind of like the way people from like the Northeast would be like fucking. That's like it. Between I, Tim Tebow, will just be like ah. Uh, I used to be there. Used to be a fucking in there, but as I've moved from east to west, I sound more and more abrasive. Each western town i moved to yeah so you have to find a way to soften out the edges a little bit otherwise everyone just thinks you're an asshole yeah 
Well, I mean, people still think you're. People an still, yeah, yeah. But now they've at least had the chance to get to know me. Yeah. Actually, when did you come? You were out of town. When did you come home on Christmas? Yeah, I came back on did, Christmas. That's a smart you, way to go. Yeah, I, I was like, did you plan that? Or were oh you like, yeah, I, I planned that. For, yeah, I planned that. For one, it's the only way to get out of LAX to get back to Bakersfield without the craziness of the Christmas traffic on Christmas Day. Yeah, and I got a crazy family back home, so like that five six day window is enough before oh, some sure. before some wild happens. And cri- if it's gonna happen, Christmas is gonna be the day. So yeah. I get out on Christmas and get See, back. I'm getting here. out today. What a miserable flight I had though. What'd I got fl- stuck. What, what airline? I flew United. Okay. And they dragged they you out like that. They beat the shit out of me. That was the funniest. That guy getting dragged out. He's going, ah! <laughs> ah, ah. I know. I wish they would have had the video of him jogging back onto the <laughs> Keep yeah. it going. That guy, he, he legit sounds like those guys from the Deer Hunter. He Whenever really, he's getting dragged <laughs> out. That's a good that's He a really good does. Comparison. But you know this. Uh, other people wouldn't. But every flight that goes to LAX, and it's the, we're the only place that has this. Any flight that's going to LAX or coming from LAX is going to have seven dogs on it. Yeah. Everyone has a goddamn dog. It does, it's, it's so annoying. It's really annoying. Not a service dog, just a like Paris Hilton dog. They just put it in their bag. And so I got stuck next to this lady with a super loud dog that was like shedding this short, like white-haired, little tiny asshole of a dog. And I hadn't slept yet because the flight left at like 5.30 in the morning. I've got to go to. I've got to make a two and a half hour drive at midnight. So I drove all the way to the. I haven't slept yet at all, hoping to sleep on the plane. I get caught next to this lady with her tiny dog. Finally, I nod off for a couple minutes, and I wake up to the dog barking. And I look over, and right next to me, the the armrest that we're supposed to be sharing. The lady has three cups on it. She's got the dog. Are there cup holders? No, no cup holder, just on the armrest. Just stacking them. She's got the dog laid spread eagle diagonally across her body, belly up. And she's she's digging her hand into one of the cups to take out an ice cube and then taking it over to the dog and like putting a little in its mouth and then rubbing its belly and putting it back in the cup. That's what I woke up to. Jesus. Is a dog in labor? Uh, I don't know. I thought she was going to jerk off the dog like at some point during the flight. It wouldn't have been shocking. It would have been the same. I would have I been less unsettled if she would have just jerked off the dog and put it back. You should have asked, ma'am, are you going to jerk off that dog? <laughs> That's, uh, it's, it's, I've. People bring big dogs. If you bring a bigger dog, do you have to do you have to buy a seat for the dog? I think I think there's a stowaway place for animals underneath the plane, but a couple like twenty a year die. Yeah. So I get that on the same flight. On every the same. Day. Yeah, 20, <laughs> twenty a year on the same United. Yeah, it's, flight. it's dog terrorist incident. People kill the they, they, dogs die. Well, that, that's a terrible part of the plane to be in. Yeah. I'm surprised some activist hasn't been like, I'm gonna go in the dog part for a flight and then tell you what it's like. That's that's a, coming. Or a Vice article after the millions of people hear this podcast, maybe oh, that's yeah. gonna be the new trend. Millions of people are gonna hear this podcast. They if will. you are listening, uh, my Venmo is Bruce Dash Ray Dash. <laughs> one uh that's i'm that is shocking that a vice article they haven't done that where the, vice article does that shit all the time they like, do they vice vice article like that's what they're a, called a vice article but they do that shit where they're like i rode in the dog part of the plane <laughs> and here's what fucking happened yeah. it's like what's up dude i'm kyle and if, i work for vice if they do a video think about it it's always that real tiny guy with the glasses too who looks like nick Melizia from yeah, uh, San yeah. yeah who i love by the way i love that i guy. like nick Melizia. I, little... I told him i want to bring him home and put him on my mantle <laughs> a little just a little little guy so dude. yeah the lady the oh lady... you got gran torino right there i didn't know that oh dude. do i really hey. pop that shit on dude. <laughs> Have, has that been there the whole did you while i wasn't looking you snuck that in real <laughs> slide a hand I snuck it in there. Oh, shit, I wanted man. to go all Gran Torino on the airplane, but I can't make a stink on an airplane. 
There's no way. <laughs> you want to? You had the option to watch Gran Torino on the airplane. No, I wanted to yell at this lady and oh, her dog. You wanted to go Gran. Torino. I wanted to go Gran Torino, but she's an old white lady, and I'm a vaguely brown, un vaguely unshaven uh, Syrian man with a with a sinus issue right now. So my schnoz is all swollen, and my eyes are all yeah. circles are. You're not uh, looking great. I'm not looking great. Folks I'm, at home, Chris is looking like shit. I'm falling apart. <laughs> so if I had made a stink look, I'd have been tackled by an air marshal immediately. I just had yeah. to sit there and take it. Do and they have those still, air marshal? I yeah, and I think they moved him to the front of the plane. That's huh. a new thing. Yeah, yeah first class. <laughs> Rosa Parks. <laughs> Rosa Parks. Dude, I wanted to say this. Uh, talk, uh, uh, it's a big, big uh, in the news. The cops are abusing their power. You know, this this cop <laughs> said uh, that like Norm Macdonald. Yeah, hey, it's, uh, hey, yeah, hey, hey, cops. You know, these cops you know? are abusing Albert their power. Fish. <laughs> Albert Fish. I've had like three conversations about Albert Fish. Have you that, really? That's the guy who ate that little girl, right? Yeah, he's a, a great Norm Macdonald joke. Have you ever oh, heard? I haven't it? heard. No, he's, he's got the, the needle guy, the needle in the bunghole. He's got this bit that he does during his podcast, or at least used to do, where he would explain Albert Fish, and the bit was basically to to get as long of a story told as possible. So it'd be like three minutes up to like twelve minutes to tell of all the terrible things that he's done. <laughs> And then after like the twelfth minute, he'd be in the middle of talking about how the guy would Albert Fish would chop up the children and eat them, and then send letters to their parents about how good they tasted. And in the middle of that, he'd just stop and go, "You know, this guy's a real jerk." <laughs> and then yeah, he, this is an interesting. And then either the it? guest would get it and they would laugh, or they wouldn't get it and just keep talking about it. it and it, it was equally be, good. It was better when they didn't get it. It was e even better. Um, no, I work at a sandwich shop, and there's this... Quit bragging. This, I, I don't want to <laughs> blow anyone's mind. Uh, I, I, I live in Los Angeles. I live a life of luxury. Does this one have a zany name like your former job at 90214? No, that place shut down, though. I've been worked for a few places that got shut down. I got fired from 90214, actually. You did? Yeah, because I, I it sucked, and they, I got two <laughs> bad Yelp reviews on the same day, I think. It was just a, a tough day. 90214. Yeah. 902. 902, go. What kind of asshole gives a bad Yelp review to an actual person? Oh well, they don't. They 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 write in the Yelp review who sucked. Oh, and wait, they me. do. They, they oh, they do that stuff Bruce. all the time. This guy sucks. You should. That should be your cover photo. You take a snapshot of whatever that review was. Oh, I think my cover photo is a. Uh, it's someone saying Bruce Gray is terrible. Yeah, no, it's it's an old lady online saying Bruce Gray, you are an idiot, and it's this lady named like Sandy something, and she just looks like an old. She looks like the grandma from the Looney Tunes, like Looney Tunes kids. That's so. And good. It's her calling me an idiot. That's amazing. Online. I think because I said that. Uh, I think bec what that came from was there was a a, uh, a picture of a, a dirty kitchen at a Golden Corral. Yeah. And then I said that the chef at that Golden Corral burned me with a cigarette or something <laughs> like that. I was like, because everyone's just talking shit. I was like, this guy's a bad guy. He burned me with a cigarette. That's awesome. Uh, what did you get fired from 90214 for? Uh they were just I just got some bad Yelp reviews because I I remember this specifically. I was working. They asked me to work a double, and okay. then uh, one of the people was like on the thing was like the the server seemed really busy and like whatever. And it's like I was doing the whole restaurant, right? And then uh, I spilled some soup on somebody a little bit. Okay, but I was kind of like take the you were fucking, done with I it. I was like take the. So fucking I didn't soup. mean to interrupt. You're at a sandwich shop now. Oh, I was working at my sandwich shop, and there's this cop that comes in. Uh, and you know what I like? I like I always I always call the cops by their first name. Uh, yeah. Whenever they come in, I'm like, "What's the name?" And they're like, "Kyle," and I'm like, "Okay, okay, Kyle." Kyle. Yeah, yeah. fucking take his power, asshole. Officer Kyle. Yeah. Oh, yeah, All right, me. constable. Uh, <laughs> but the, no, he always comes in and just grab. There's there's four TVs in there and he, like two, four flat screens on the wall, and he always just grabs the remote and puts it on hockey, and it's like. It's a Kyle yeah. thing to do. Yeah, but it's like, why, why, why don't you just ask me to do it? You just 
you piece of shit. Yeah, I don't want do to ruin the podcast. Put here, your badge down. You wouldn't do that, yeah, would you? Take off the take off the belt and badge, and let's <laughs> let's fucking duke it out over let's the remote. Let's party. That's right. Arthur's coming on in a few minutes, asshole. <laughs> yeah, PBS. That's a daytime TV. Also, Jesus Christ, 10 a.m. For this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're recording early in the morning. I texted you at about eight thirty and said, "Did you do you want to do an episode before?" I got right the back to you. I was tonight? up, I'm and sorry. you did. You got right back to me, and you said, "I'm pretty free anytime." And I said, "Well, let's do ten a.m." And I just heard crickets, <laughs> and it and turns nine nine fifty five. I was like, "Oh, I fell back asleep." It turns out you fell asleep, but I thought you were giving me the Hollywood no that oh, I, I would man. hear from me at like four p.m. and be like, "Sorry, dude, I got a pretend thing that I had to do." <laughs> A pretend thing. I thought so I got the Hollywood. You're just no. steaming around the apartment. No, I was fucking... okay because like I I thought I just got the Hollywood. No, I was like, well, oh, Bruce no. has been Bruce has been in L.A. for a little while. Maybe this is just <laughs> maybe this is a new thing that they're doing down I there. Love it. Dude, yeah, I mean, I love I love doing the Hollywood. No, speaking of that, uh, I haven't told the people yet that I've got the wonderful Bruce Gray hey, on the podcast today who went down to L.A. Hometown boy made good. But before that, started the version of this little comedy hodgepodge yep. that I Biggest came mistake I ever into. Made. <laughs> which is really, the if we could we could do 10 episodes together just about crazy venues yeah, alone. Dude. But the, the one that I thought about touching on today was the one that you started. Again, the, there's been comedy going on here for... 10 or 12 years but comedy to what the scene has become today started with bruce and speaking of venues that have gotten shut down started at the craziest venue still for me that i've ever been a part of yeah there's nothing you can can't compare it's a it was at it's at the now defunct martini's lounge it's closed it's you didn't know no i don't it's closed too much murder yep that's exactly too much murder and possibly a bankruptcy uh, so it was Martini's Lounge attached to Regency Lane's bowling alley. Yeah, it couldn't be a more adult place attached to a more children's place. Like, it, it's like a, a side room at a Chuck E. Cheese where they like show tits and stuff. <laughs> it. Like, it couldn't be more of a separation. And the, the Regency Lane's, by the end of it, the place was so crazy that you had to go through a metal detector and two security pat-downs to get even into the building. During but, the day. During the day. But what I always told people is this is true. On the very other side of the bowling alley was Martini's Lounge, which was this crazy nightclub where people were actually murdered, allegedly. And, <laughs> and there were women of the night there, allegedly, and they were selling drugs all over the place, allegedly, and there was gang activity, allegedly. And we were doing comedy, allegedly. We were <laughs> <laughs> Technically, we were doing comedy. But no metal detector, no security pat down, and at the very back of the nightclub, a door opens up to... The, the bowling, bowling alley. Yeah, you could just sneak into the bowling alley. Bring all your weapons. Man. Yeah, there was a few times where I was bombing and I just took my microphone out to the bowling alley and just started bugging people who were bowling. The craziest <laughs> the craziest night that I was a part of, which we'll get to, I have a I found the voice recording for it. I might just put that at the end and oh, it's you got could. you on it and it's got me on it. You're trying to start the show and there's there's a bachelorette party of about 17 crazy flavor of love looking women in there. They brought their own Hennessy in a plastic bottle. And we're pounding it when we walked in. And and you're trying to just start the show for like five minutes and get me on. But you wind up having to do like 17 minutes. <laughs> Is that what uh, 
I, if I'm, I want to say they, they kept yelling something. The like, one lady they kept, kept yelling like scoop, scoop or something like they that. They were yelling that. And the one lady was yelling, that puppet taught me how to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that puppet taught me how to that fuck. That puppy. Oh, that puppy. That, that puppet taught me how to fuck. There was one lady who looked and sounded like Whitney Houston. And she was she squeezed my nipples while I was on stage. They were screaming for you. Was that the, the, the my favorite night was that one night that you pushed that guy off stage like it was WWF. That was my second yeah, that we, was. We I remember. I remember. I saw that, and I was like, "This guy's all right." Why don't we? T- yeah, we'll just take it from the top. So again, Bruce Gray, OG Bakersfield comedy, <laughs> started the venue that got the ball rolling for us of where we are now. And yeah, because I mean, whenever I whenever I started comedy, uh, I was eighteen. There was not. There was like a show. It was like one show a month. Or, there was no open mics or no. anything like that. There was like one show a month, maybe. There was probably like five to seven comedians. And there was no structure. Yeah. It was anarchy. It was maybe eight people in town doing comedy. They all hated each other. Yeah, yeah. somehow they all hated it. They still all hate they each other. They still hate and each other. They're still doing the exact same and shit. And they still all talk about each other. If you're like, hey, how are things? It, they're the first seven people that they're going to talk about yeah. every time. I hope they talk about me. I'll, I don't know if they do. I don't know either. I don't know I what they, they say do. about us. You know what's funny? We've I've met mention this there's one person who i haven't met yet who everybody else knows even like five month comics seem to have a story about eulalio Eulalio. oh i don't know what his deal is everyone i still haven't met him yet he's never been around i think i'm the only guy who hasn't met him there's a there's a lot of comics i'll talk about whenever i tell people like comics who've been doing it for a while in la that i'm from up here they're like oh dude you know him it's all like a bonding experience what's crazy is he's the first like comedy like booker person i ever really worked with so In my head, I was like, oh, comedy's just fucked up. <laughs> comedy's like this. Because the first show I ever did with Eulalia was in Delano. Uh, Ar- already, is this at the Aviator Casino? No, this okay, is before good. the This is at a pizza place. I was going to say, already a disaster. Yeah, if that's this is at a pizza place in the little sidebar of this pizza place, which is actually a dope little setup for comedy. Okay. But we get there, and the bar is pretty packed. There's like quite a few people there. I mean, 20 people there. And then he gets there. <laughs> that is quite a few in the old instead days. Instead of being a, a normal fucking human being and being like, we're going to start uh, a comedy show. Hope you guys enjoy it. And then maybe trying to charge anybody who comes in after that. Yeah. He goes around and he's like, every one of you motherfuckers is going to pay. Like, he's not being this aggressive, but he's like, all of you guys are going to pay to watch this. And they're already in the restaurant. Oh, they're already in the restaurant. And they are all like, fuck you. Like they're, they're like willing to fight this guy. Well, we used to, this is the old days is we used to ambush people with comedy. They, oh, yeah. they had no idea comedy was coming. Yeah. They thought they were going to watch the world series, but no. Nope. Yeah. yeah. And then they turn the TVs off and everyone's like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. The, yeah I had this to, is our art, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I've had, I had to do that. I've had to do that a few times. Definitely mm-hmm. not as many times, but, uh, I get like PTSD doing. Oh, that I know shit, it's horrible. It's like, I, I like feel it. I'm like, oh fuck. It's, you're you're about to entertain people who don't like you and didn't want you. Yeah, there. I mean that was every night for the first three years that I did comedy. So he starts out the show by chastising people. Oh, he's chastising everyone, saying you're gonna pay, you're gonna pay, and they're like, fuck you. There's almost a fight. These guys are like gonna beat him up because he's so annoying. Yep. And uh, he's a bad person. He's <laughs> the worst, the worst person <laughs> I've ever met, probably. And uh, he just starts doing all this shit. And then the owner of the bar comes over and he tells Eulalio, he's like, go fuck yourself. Like, oh, the no. guy who he has the agreement to do the show, he's like, leave these people alone. These people are spending money. And so we start the show. He goes on for 10 minutes and he's fucking awful. And he's like, yeah, I'm dating a white girl. And like, she has all her shots. And he's like, Jaeger, Greg Goose. Everyone's like, boo. Like, they're booing <laughs> I like him. how he does subtlety for a joke that doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah, it's the worst. Yeah, he's, <laughs> you know, he's the worst. Like, like as if a white girl, like a puppy, would need to have all her shots. Yeah, he's yeah, he's word Wordplay word play the opposite way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, just, he's doing just crazy, crazy shit. And then 
everyone's booing him and they hate him. And by the time I get up there, they're so happy that he's gone and they want to prove a point that they don't like him that they aren't paying attention <laughs> to anything that I say. But every time that I stop talking, they think that that's like the the punchline so they like applause break and they stand up and cheer and like they're going crazy what a savvy crowd that's pretty good it was nuts i remember i and i remember just thinking this is how comedy is yeah like comedy sucks like people always say comedy sucks and i just thought everyone was like this you lolly up until a few years ago around here that's kind of how it was yeah well that's why every every place that you try to do comedy in town they're like no i don't think so they've been soured on. we tried it we had this guy uh, I know another guy, uh, Sam Stewart, who I'm getting on to do this. Sam His Stewart. first show, he's up in Fresno. I think I know who you're talking His about. first show was Yul- a Eulalio show, and he was supposed to get like 50 or or $100, and he, he did the show. And afterwards, he was like at a hotel somewhere, and Eulalio was nowhere to be found. And then he got a call at like 2 in the morning, and Eulalio's like, come outside, I'm pulling up right now. And the guy's like, okay. So he goes to the back of the hotel, and this car pulls up, like all tinted windows, like really fast. And Sam's like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get ambushed and shot for asking for my money right now. Fishtails right in front of him, puts the window down, and Sam's all scared. And Eulalio tosses a bag of oranges out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> Sam catches it, and the car peels off and goes away. He paid him in a bag of oranges instead of giving him 50 bucks. Jesus That's Christ. the kind of shows that there were. The most famous Eulalio story is that he tried to get a... Uh a Western Union one time late at night at okay. a Walmart and they wouldn't give him to give it to him. Yeah. And so he fucking destroyed a $5 <laughs> DVD bin and got arrested. Oh my God. <laughs> That's true. It's every, every time I see like the big bin of DVDs at a Walmart, I always just think of how funny it is that Eulalio destroyed one. I have a similar story where there's this guy back home who I know, just one of the meatheads that used to go to the gym. There was uh, the Redner's, the Redner's grocery okay. store where I used to do my finger popping. <laughs> he got arrested one time for stealing st- steaks in the wintertime. So the the cops rolled up on him, and he had a jacket full of steaks that they had to arrest him and pull out. I just wish I could have seen that. I had to put him in. I evidence. wish I could have seen him pulling the steaks out of his jacket. Yeah, dude, I loved. I love to steal. Uh, I but you steal from family like Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Give it to comedians. I, but I love to steal. Like I mean, that's 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 normal stuff. That's little. That's just like, hey, I'm taking this to other to yeah. other uh, uh, bad people. But. I love I I honestly think because I love like buy, I'll buy stuff but I love stealing like a just here and like if I go to uh, like Ralph's by my house yeah. I'll uh, I'll get like groceries but then I always like I'll steal something I'll get like a I big on stealing face products I steal a lot of like oh a, you do facial see Lito Iglesias told me about this that they'll only stop you on a slow day for shit like that my I I know people who do this thing where like they'll buy they'll buy they'll put in in a bag two pounds of cherries and they'll eat a pound and a half while they're walking <laughs> around the store. Dude, that's that's rookie stuff. That's dude. rookie shit. Well, you got I at my Ralph's whenever you buy nuts, there's a uh, there's like a digital scale that you put it on and it yeah. like, gives you a readout sticker. So I put a bunch of nuts in and then I like hold it onto the scale <laughs> barely so it just... Oh, you do the Daniel Cormier yeah. weigh in yeah, yeah, push on yeah. the towel. Exactly. Do shit like that and then uh but that's where I honestly think that if I ever get successful, I'll still still will steal a little bit. So speaking of criminal behavior, the ven- again, the venue that we started in town, Martini's yeah, Lounge. That was. But this is what got it in a way, got it all going. So how did you how did you get things started at this cesspool? What led you there? I remember somebody else was doing a little bit of comedy there. There was like a like they were doing some comedy. Some guy who does radio in town was like doing a comedy night and like broadcasting from there. And I was yeah. like, I'll go see what this place is about. And it seemed all right. But then once I started, I realized what was really going on was that they 
Because what happened was our thing was at six o'clock or seven o'clock. I don't remember. I think it was at six. seven. It was at six. It was at six because we were out of there by eight. Thank Christ. Yeah. So it was at six o'clock. But from five o'clock to six o'clock, they had what they called panic hour, which means that <laughs> <laughs> everything, all beers and all mixed drinks were a dollar. Yeah. Like small. They would do small ones, but it was all a fucking dollar. Yeah. It was a dollar, so everyone would come in and get fucking wasted. It was packed at six, but everybody was fucked up. And that's when the comedians' panic hour started. And that's whenever the comedians started. There was a lot of like ankle bracelets, not like de- seriously ankle, not bracelets. like decorative stuff, like 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 monitoring, serious monitoring, and uh, people. Pistols. There was a lot of people who obviously had guns. Uh, well, people would show comics the gun while they were on stage. Yeah, little stuff like that. A lot of like like. Some guy showed me his dick one time when I was on stage. Sorry about that. (laughs) Some guy showed me his dick and then gave me $20. And I was like, whatever. That's a a fair exchange. Yeah, I was like, this is a great way to make money. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of of, uh, activity is the nicest way to say it. And it was, there was no way to do any type of comedy. No. Uh, Everyone hated it. There was one thing that they responded to. Being mercilessly made fun of. Oh yeah, they actually liked that, and so that's. I Sometimes. Mean, yeah, that's you just had to. I think that's where I mean a lot of us uh, who started there just kind of gave you the kind of like balls to like go to any normal audience and be like, "You're fat, you're gay," like fuck just like you. yeah, fuck. They you. used to that that hurt us for a couple months afterwards for sure. because when we would get nervous or a little anxious on stage, we would just destroy the crowd. Yeah, that that yeah. Well, that's what I had to learn that too of like. For a while, where now if it's like somebody is talking, like at that point if somebody was just talking to someone else in the crowd, like you motherfucker, yeah. shut your fucking mouth, <laughs> tell your ugly wife to shut the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, literally that was because that's all that people liked that at Martinez. They were psychopaths. That's all they listened to. I have so many recordings of me trying to do material and people going like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I have to go like, shut up, you snaggletooth fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people are happy that their Woo. friend is being made fun of, and this guy has a gun that you're calling a fag. Or yeah, whatever. it's just like. People are going crazy. So there was comedy going on, and then you just decided, I could make this official. Yeah, I was like, I can really really do something here. Because I was going to L.A. I had to like, go to L.A. like two or three times a week sometimes just to do open mics and stuff. And I was like, there should be there should be an open <laughs> mic here. Yeah. And so I was like, just thinking, like, where could I do whatever. At the time, I'm, I want to say they already had that uh, the On the Rocks open mic, but it might have yeah. just closed. Did you ever do the On the Rocks no, open I, mic? No, I, okay. missed, I missed On the Rocks. I came out just Because there was a, a music, it was mainly music, and then I was like, I can do comedy. Like, that's what it started, is I would have to just go to fucking... And you were still like 19 or 20, right? I was 19, You had to sneak yeah. in the back door. Yeah, well, I had to sneak. I was, a lot of times, they would make me just stand outside, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, I would have to... Go right to the stage. Just go straight to the stage and straight yeah. off. It'd be raining sometimes. I would right. just be standing next to the security guard. I haven't seen this guy, but there's a security guard named Angel at uh, On The Rocks. It was very nice to me. It would be, I'd be uh, excited to hear see him. Angel, if you're listening, hope all is well. You're definitely listening, Angel. <laughs> yeah, I mean... You, but, are, you were Bruce's angel at one <laughs> Dude, and... Uh, so I would do that. We would go do comedy at like karaoke nights and shit. People yeah. hated it. Yeah. It was all comedy ambush. <laughs> and it would be like, but like you said, the martinis was such a poisonous environment <laughs> to learn how to do comedy because it's like, it was one of those things where you were trying to do be an act. Like you would have to get people interested 
in what you were doing and then go into jokes. Comedy which, ambush is one of the worst things you can do yeah, to somebody. The way I the way I analogize it to some of the other comedians is I say, imagine if you went out for a steak dinner and you were talking to like your close friends and family, and then in the middle of a dinner, a puppet show just broke out at your table. Yeah, it's like the 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 mariachi at the Mexican restaurant. Two, yeah, a hundred times worse because you can ignore the mariachi and there's still music, but if you ignore the puppet show or the comedy show, you're you're now the rude guy. Yeah, you just put them in an unwinnable situation. It's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, I mean that's what's good. The the there's comedy in town now for the most part is mostly people. Are there to, not, and even if they're not there to see the comedy, they're in a separate area. Right, like, they could leave. They could leave. Yeah, <laughs> you're not ruining their night. So, did you approach the owner at Martinis? And if you did, please explain to the people what he was uh, like. He was uh, an Indian. We can put you into witness protection, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> after this, he's like an Indian entrepreneur, if you will. He <laughs> thinks he is. He owns like two days in. He is either. He is either the Rico kingpin of Bakersfield or just some dude. Who lives in his daddy's basement and his daddy gave him a hotel and a bar. Yeah, I don't know what his deal is. One way or the other. He he obviously loves cocaine. Uh, That's (laughs) no doubt. Is that what you said they got in trouble for? They were selling coke? Oh, really? Allegedly? Is that what you said? No, I don't. Allegedly? (laughs) Dude, Chris, a lawyer, full lawyer, Chris. Full lawyer in the state. Keeps throwing the allegedly in there. I don't know if there was any, if they got in trouble for cocaine. I know that there was, it was prevalent in the business. There was definitely stuff going around. Uh, His name was Nike. (laughs) <laughs> should I not say that? <laughs> not, yeah, like Nike, but uh, Nike. Yeah. And uh, he was just a bad, he was a, a shitty guy. But he actually did give us $500. He was very nice to us, which is common in the comedy community, is that we've had monsters be very nice to us. Yeah, because he thinks that we're going to bring in more business. Which yeah, we, we were we, we may have brought in more people, but we definitely drove an we, equal amount of people away. <laughs> we drove way more out, yeah. Uh, but it was, he was the... the he, it's just like a like a cokehead entrepreneur where he thinks he's a genius and he's like, I'm gonna the comedy is genius. My panic hour is the best idea ever. And and seemed like a dangerous dude also because yeah, there'd be definitely... gangsters in there and he would he would screw them over and yeah. so, like one one of them would be dating a bartender and he'd go in there and just flirt with the bartender for an hour and yeah. the guy'd get all upset but wouldn't do anything about it. And he thought he was uh, really funny. He would always want to tell one joke. And the whole bar would pretend the joke was funny because they were afraid of him too. Yeah, he wasn't. So going, everybody shut the fuck up. They were, <laughs> <laughs> shut up. <laughs> they weren't listening to us at all but then Nike would get tell this one like this one liner joke that would take like seven minutes yeah, well, I the, love birds. Yeah, I love birds. What is the bird of love? Like he's like, what's the bird of whatever raven? What's the bird of whatever? And then he'd go, what's the bird of love? And people would be like, what? And he'd be like, the swallow. The swallow. <laughs> <laughs> and people would pretend that's the funniest shit. Did he have? Was there any other jokes? Is that just the? That's the only one I can remember. He he did one where a girl was a bank teller and a guy broke in with a machine gun. Or no, they were, it was at a sperm bank. Guy oh, broke yeah. in with a machine gun, made her drink a sample, and then she drank the sample, and the guy took a mask off, and it was her husband. <laughs> <laughs> and so he said, all of his not jokes- so bad, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and he would get a round of applause it's from a bunch so of- Not so bad, Not so bad, is it? <laughs> you, whenever you do the impression, you sound like the guy who's in the background of Shaggy songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 that might be who d- Nike is. Double, he might be Shaggy's double. Yeah, I've always wondered. I don't. That's so funny. All of his jokes just have to do with drinking cum. So he was this dangerous dude, and 
I everybody shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. But we like you kind of have this too, where I always had an affinity for like dangerous, rough people. Like my oh, yeah. my T ball and little league coaches were all warlocks and hell's angels and shit like that. So I've got a comfort around them, and you'd have that too. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, because I would have to. Where it was, I would be the one doing the dealings with these people when I was a nineteen-year-old blonde, young, sweet cherub. Boy. Yeah, I was just like. Talking to these dudes, be like, you fucking owe us money. And so everyone else was like, oh, yo, I, we better be careful around him. And you and I just started making fun of him right off the jump. Oh, right to his face. And luckily, he loved it. Yeah. Like he, I, I remember he and I would do this bit that no one ever said anything. It just kind of happened where I would make fun of him from stage until he had had enough. And then he would pretend to throw me out. And that big, <laughs> stocky security guard would pick me up over his head and <laughs> run me out of the room. Yeah, dude. Same thing with the security guy where it's like, I don't know. I think that they just, there's people that aren't used to being treated, not treated badly, but being like made fun of. And <laughs> yeah. they, Whenever it happens, if it just happens every now and again, they like that type of shit. Exactly. So whenever you're telling Nike, you're like, everybody shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. Doing impressions of Nike from the stage. He loved it. How about that big security guard that when it was, when you would give someone the light? Oh, dude. Yeah. I <laughs> forgot about that. He would help out by sticking his big fat finger in the, right in the comedian's face who was on stage between the comic and the audience. And then you'd have to try to break that barrier. Yeah, so you, you would, I would give someone the light like in the back of the room, and the security guard who would just stand next to the stage the whole time. He's like seven foot nine, six hundred and fifty pounds or right. so. Like he's just a large man. Yeah, and he would like think that the comedian didn't see it, or he thought he was helping, and he would just move to the front of the stage, face the comedian, and put one big finger. <laughs> Basically, up like, poke you in the face. Yeah, he'd be like you have one minute left, and you'd have to go like, "Thank you, officer." Yeah, Jesus Christ. And they informed that they could only protect us to the speed bump. Yeah, that was the whole thing. Was one time there was a dude who was really mad at you. I think there we, was fifteen of them. So okay. <laughs> they were so pissed as fuck. You you worked out with nike that we were going to start the comedy shows there and you did one week before i moved out here and then i moved out and met someone who worked with you so they they put me in touch with you yeah and so i came out for week two and week two is when i did the only five minutes i actually had of comedy and it went okay because the crowd was semi civil yeah that i remember that this this black dude that jumped on the stage and you shoved him well, this is week three. Oh, that's week three this is the start so week two i'm like yeah we're pretty good so i showed week three <laughs> Show of week three, and it seemed the room's somewhat full, but they're rowdy. And there's like, yeah, there's like 15 dudes around the stage, and they just keep yelling. So I get on stage, and one of the guys attempts to jump on stage. I remember, well, the funniest part was that he jumped on stage. You shoved him off. Like, you shoved him <laughs> up and off. So, like, you pushed him up in the air and then off. And then I remember you said, I've always wondered what little Romeo was doing these days. <laughs> and that was the funniest that. thing I've ever heard anybody say. And I remember that was whenever I was like, hey, this guy's, this guy has, is, this guy's not bad. Because he's a psycho, but <laughs> yeah. you shoved this guy who was an obvious gang member off the stage. But, but he's my psycho. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was. Yeah. This guy was small, too, but it's so obvious that he had some sort he's, of strap he was packing heat yeah and so he's, christian shoves him off into the air and he <laughs> the guy doesn't fall down he lands on his feet if he would have fell down it probably would have been a bigger it would have been bad yeah and then uh and then you just you saying i've always wondered what little romeo was doing these days and is, that and then i said seriously don't come back up here i said if you're gonna do it during my set fine but don't do it during anybody else's set and they all kind of like they all kind of went like Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> And then two comics later, Ben Bradley goes on stage, and I see this little motherfucker go up on stage and take the microphone. So they usher him to the front of the room, and I'm out there giving him the business. And then as I'm giving him the business, this huge guy appears 
behind him and he looks just like Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> but me having a bad attitude, like, what the fuck do you want out here? And we start going at it back and forth. And then as I go back to the bar, they go back to their friends. And then all of a sudden, all 15 people get up and they start walking toward the door and they gesture at me and they walk out. <laughs> And now they're outside, and they've surrounded my car. Like, yeah, they're between us and our vehicles, yeah. I remember. And my car's got a Pennsylvania license plate on it, and I just talked about being from Pennsylvania for <laughs> hey, time. I just came out here <laughs> hey, from Pennsylvania. That, hey, that, <laughs> I'm from a small coal mining town. And <laughs> it's not like it is here. Oh, man. And so, You're trying to do your quips. And oh, yeah. All, <laughs> so the end of the night comes. I was just talking about this. And I'm like, I think, I guess I'm going to get stomped out to death. And I go, I'm like, all right, well, bye. And as I go to say bye, Ben, ben Bradley goes, wait, wait for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the end of, it's like a Bonnie and Clyde moment yeah. where you guys are just about to drive off. Oh, Thelma and Louise were about to drive off the cliff at the end of the movie. I've repeated this, so apologies to the listeners. But tell me if you agree that if an old Ben Bradley impression was just a just a series of Z's and A's. Wait for me. So he went to pay his tab, and I ran out before he, I, we would both get killed. And they just happened to all fall away, like they just drove away as I was walking out there. So life spared. But that's week three. My second week at yeah, Martinis. We did, we did probably like fifteen. Only five more months to go. Yeah. We were there almost six months. That's insane. Yeah. I, I, I do remember that was really funny where he's like, yeah, I can only help you out to that speed bump. And it was like five feet from the door. Yeah, I don't understand how that became, whose rule is that? I don't know, but I will say that after the first person was murdered there, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> in the newspaper it came out that they were murdered at Martini's, and then they made a correction that the person wasn't murdered at Martini's, was murdered in an empty parking lot. So I'm guessing the rule came in because at the speed bump, you were murdered at Martini's. <laughs> <laughs> Past the speed bump, you were just murdered on real real road. Jesus, dude. That's what I'm guessing happened. That, that is a... It'll be far. They're not doing anything with that space right now. Or no, I think it's I think it's a bankrupt, empty building. But they they ran for a while. Can you think of like a craziest thing that happened to you personally while you were there at Martinis? Yeah, I mean there was so much. I think stuff. there was one time where there was this guy who was very large, and I want to describe him as being on PCP because that is what he seemed like he was on. Yeah. The way that nothing was affecting him uh, was that I remember it was because uh, we. The deal was is that we were doing like a comedy contest there. Where it was oh, an yeah. open mic, but each night, every week, every week, the best set of the night, you got a hundred martinis bucks. <laughs> Explain martinis, martinis bucks. bucks. Yeah, this guy Nike, who, who's an entrepreneur of his own, he he made uh, <laughs> his own currency where, he, where you <laughs> could where you could buy sexual favors from bartenders. Yeah, basically, it was a hundred. You wanted he would give you a hundred. You would win a hundred dollars, which was cool to have those things were dope especially if you were there during panic hour <laughs> yeah you get a hundred dollars so you could spend but that's what people didn't know you could spend it at the bar but you could also spend it at the bowling alley food I, court. i never knew that the food court it was also so he would give us 150 martinis bucks and remember i would give away like 40 at you a were time. like oprah with that oh, i was giving away shit because i thought that would entice the crowd like hey here's 10 bucks that you can spend at this bar that's fucking 10 drinks yep you psychos yeah exactly right so he would give out a hun- give me a hundred. You could probably buy PCP with them. Dude, he would give me hundred and fifty martinis bucks. I would spend. F- uh, I would give away forty. I would keep ten martinis. <laughs> keep Bruce, ten martinis. Bruce bucks. has always been a hustler. <laughs> <laughs> I would keep ten martinis bucks for myself. Every every sp- when we did the small town time shows at first, like the ones that you first put on, you, like, there'd be like ninety people in there. 
uh, and it would be like a free show, but you'd always come up to me afterwards and be like, don't tell anybody, but here's like 10 bucks. We got, <laughs> <laughs> we got 30 bucks. Don't tell anybody, but we got 30 bucks for the show. Here's 10. <laughs> yeah, this, I know this is a packed room where people are buying a lot of stuff, but uh, hey. Here's 10. I made 30 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, how, that's how it is, though. Yeah, we, we get 30 of the yeah. bar. Yeah. The bar The bar is packed. To the, there's people all around the bar. The room is filled with people buying stuff. I'm like, hey, buddy, we, got, hey, that, buddy, we got 30 bucks. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm a paid comic. Like, <laughs> that is the life of a comedian. <laughs> when you just had, don't have enough to pay everyone. To yeah, and go, not enough clout. To, hey, yeah, buddy, you, you hey, make one, buddy. Hey, buddy, yeah. hey, buddy here's 10 bucks. Here's so, that. yeah, you're doling out martinis bucks. Oh, martinis bucks. I would keep 10 for myself. I'd get a few beers. I'd get some food from the food court. It was a nice. It was a nice exchange. Yep. Uh, but then at the end of it, I would give a, a hundred to whatever comedian was best that night, and that winning that night would qualify you for the big contest, the main, the main contest where Nike. This is the only time Nike ever proved himself reliable. Was he gave us five hundred dollars cash? That yeah. Night, which a giveaway. Which I, sh- if I was smart, I would have paid the comic four hundred, kept a hundred for myself. <laughs> but I was trying. I was like, you Nike, know, you call me and tell me if it was actually six hundred. Be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, I wish it was. I wish I was smart enough to do that, but. Uh, so I, he gave us that five hundred dollars cash, and that night I remember, I was like, there was a packed that night because it was there was like judges. Remember my, People love competitions. Your was dad a, was there. My dad was a, a judge. Yeah. Uh, Fat Paul was a judge. Fat Paul. Fat Paul is one of my favorite comedy judges ever. I only see him when you when you are in town. Like yeah, uh, he just crawls out of, of a fucking tunnel somewhere. Fat and shows Paul. Up he used to, to host the open mic at uh, at. Uh, on the rocks, oh, wow. which uh, before after Chris Carton did, and I hated Fat Paul because he was he's a very mean guy. Yeah, he's not happy. He's not. He's hilarious. But he likes me. And he's he likes re- you. He loves me because honestly, I would suck ass. Yeah, I was like nineteen. I'd be a terrible comedian, and I would go up, and he would be like. Yo, you suck. Oh, he <laughs> like, would. Yeah, he would be like, You suck. You're so terrible. <laughs> like he's like the host of the open mic. And after like I'd be like getting brought to the stage, he'd be like, uh, oh, this next guy is a fucking comedian, he sucks ass. Like he's terrible. And then now when now whenever he sees me do comedy and I'm like I don't want to say good whenever I do. No, you're I, good. Oh, thanks, Chris. When you're I say uh, I was fishing for a yeah, uh, you're great. I, when I go up there and I do well, he's like, <laughs> see, he's, he's he like takes credit for me being good at comedy. Look, I don't want to say I'm good now, but when I get up and crush, <laughs> <laughs> when I get up there and change comedy, he acknowledges well, it. Yeah. He, he will. He takes credit pretty much for me being good at comedy. He's like, oh, oh remember? He's, he'll be like, I made you better at comedy, which I. Want to say he did because I would be so mad. Like I want to kill this guy. Yeah. Because he's so mean to me. He would be wearing like a Pokemon costume. Yeah. Like just like being a dickhead. He'd be like, "This next guy sucks ass. He's not funny, <laughs> but he's good." Like it, it, I would go up there and have to dig myself out of this hole he set up for me. And after the show, he'd be like, come up to like me and Brooks and Trevor and like a few other people. Be like, "Dude, you guys all suck." Yeah. Like just like straight up to our face. That should that should be the name of your first special. You T- guys all suck. take that fat Paul. Take that fat Paul. <laughs> Uh, and he's not even really that fat, but he's a bar. He's a bartender at Sandrini's. So I love if anytime there's any competition, I love having him as a judge because if somebody bombs one joke, he'll be like one next one out of ten. You suck. Yeah. And so he's the best like Simon Cowell level judge. He really to is. Have. Isn't that great when you get announced by somebody and they just tank you right off the bat? I remember in Fresno there was a show one time where this guy gets up on stage before he announces me and he goes. Well, uh, this one guy set the record for F-words. This is supposed to be a family show, so hopefully your next comic doesn't do that. Give it up for Chris Flail, everybody. Oh, dude. Uh, One guy in town, Ernesto, uh, the first time I was ever on a show, he announced me by saying, this next comic could probably kick my ass. What a way to relate to the crowd. (laughs) Oh, they're going to be happy now. I uh I saw him bring a girl off stage one time who like did fine she was did, did okay she was pretty hot uh say no more say no more but he brought her off stage and he just goes man 
she got ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But back to this story. We were at the the contest had led up to this point. It was the the main night. We, the winner was going to get five hundred dollars. There's judges there. There's all this stuff. Uh, there's Fat Paul. There's my dad. There's Joe Allenies. Uh, <laughs> just comedy judges. Oh yeah. And. Uh, there's this guy in the crowd who's big, big, fat guy, has an ankle bracelet on, and he keeps, he's just yelling at the stage to me where I'm like <laughs> trying to kick the show off. I'm hosting yeah. the show. And so I'm up there and I'm just like, hey, guys, we're going to do a competition. And this guy's sitting there watching the show, but he just keeps screaming and going, fuck you. No, <laughs> he, he starts doing that, but he, he, latches on to one phrase that he thinks is the funniest thing he's ever fucking said because he's saying it and then he's laughing really hard and he's repeating it and laughing harder he just keeps going i'm gonna rape you (laughs) 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 i'm gonna rape you like just keeps yelling and it's like so uh, like that's what probably the only heckle that's ever really bothered me where it's like this guy might rape me sticks in your craw yeah Yeah, because he's 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 done it before you could he uh, it was so obvious that he had just gotten out of jail and he's like i'm gonna rape you i'm gonna rape you and i was was like quipping back and i was like hey oh man i'm gonna rape you like, just, <laughs> like trying to somehow man, shut come it. on yeah man. and uh some, he finally shuts up and people were actually able to do comedy for uh some i remember that night john hacker snapped on somebody well, hacker was there i w- no, was it john no hacker? it was t- i'll tell you who it was snapped on that guy and got like this after school special round of applause afterwards Taylor Lozano. Taylor Lozano. Taylor That's Lozano. Who it was. Great old R. friend of the Bakersfield Comedy Community Theater man. Very soft fella. Yeah. Uh, overall, That's just a sweet was. boy. Ultimate. And he's on stage, and the guy's yelling, "I'm gonna rape you," or whatever he's yelling. And Taylor just broke broke character and just freaked out. It's like you know, we're all trying as hard as we can. Okay. <laughs> trying to this lev- is trying to level with this yeah, guy. I'm trying to win five hundred dollars because it would change things for me. And here you are just ruining my set. You're ruining everything. And people and for the I in six months I never saw a human moment in martinis yeah, until now. Human. And people went like Hey, he's right. Yeah, we are assholes. (laughs) Yeah. It was like the ultimate turning. And I had to go up right after him and be like, I choke my girlfriend sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) The one time it wouldn't be good. Yeah. Dude, we should do. We should have a live, a live bomb diaries at Martinis. We really from, I, the, from the empty building. Well, I thought about. I drove by one time and thought about like, boy, it would be cool to have like just to have a follow up show and actually pack the place in and just just do that to reminisce. Have like the old boys come back on the show and like two weeks later, someone was shot and killed. And then, <laughs> yeah, you're like, ah, maybe not. You know what? Maybe not. Yeah, it would be fun to do a panic hour show there. What we should look the, into it. What's the I I want I don't want to uh, break your heart here, Chris, but I haven't ever listened to the podcast yet. That's uh, okay. But I mean, you know, it's I, not for people who would do it. You're right because you like you have two podcasts. I don't want to brag uh, here, but I do have two podcasts. <laughs> I I when you told me you were ten minutes away, I was like, I wonder if I have enough time to skim thirty seconds to pretend I've listened to this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't, I don't I listen to I, I won't break your heart even more here, but I listened to two minutes of you and Margaret's episode on the way over here, and you guys were talking about tea, and I was like, perfect, I get exactly what I'm doing here. Exactly right. <laughs> so uh, you've got two. Tad has one. Landon's got one. Eddie's got one. Every one of our friends has a podcast now. Yeah. So if you can't get your own listener base. You're on your own. If I, you know, you if you listen to my shit all day, you wouldn't have time to record your own shit. Yeah. So I don't expect anybody. Yeah, that's why. That's the same thing with uh, like TV shows where people will talk shit about TV. Like, 
I'm just using it as an example, but like the show, the whatever, what show was Whitney on? Two broke, two broke girls. She made that one, I think. Did she? What yeah. show was she on? Was she on a show just called Whitney? She, yeah, I think it was called. Yeah, that's right. Whatever show, but it's like shows like that where it's like they're not good, but they're not made for. They're made for, you know, the middle of the country. Really, that's right. Really, they're not made for us to watch. Whatever people are. Well, there would just be no time. There'd be no yeah. time to do your own thing if you could, if you had all. Yeah, of those I mean, if you're shitting on TV shows, it's just like you, people should just be happy that there's still a possibility to make money on, that you could get on something it, yeah yeah uh but what do you usually just talk about bombing uh, it's a little bit everything so either bomb stories crazy stories weird show nights whatever but it usually turns into especially when you're talking with your buddies just general talking about comedy talking about whatever uh like how this show started uh and like last episode i talked to my brother he's in the music business so he's got a band talking about what bomb stories and crazy stories from bands are like so just the inside baseball of comedy that when you watch a Netflix comedy special, you don't know that this is really what comedy's like. The oh, it's awful. The martinis aspects or just the general strength, like doing comedy in an Italian restaurant, doing comedy in a side room at a brewery. It's like a Billy Joel song, doing, <laughs> doing comedy in an Italian restaurant. <laughs> so that's like 99% of what real comedy is as opposed to the theater show that you watch on HBO once every six months. It gives some more insight into what what all this is like and what what the come up is like. And I kind of got the idea from when I read Steve Martin's book. Uh, I I heard him do an interview and say that I could have written a book. People wanted me to write a book as just me being Steve Martin now. And he said, I don't find that interesting. What I find interesting is what a comedian was like before they made it big. So I think it's interesting to not only do that, but talk to people and shed insight while you're in the middle of that. That's the one step that he couldn't do with his book is talk about the come up, what it was like while he was on the come up. So if somebody knows who you are in three years because they watch your Netflix special, they can go back and listen to something like this or your podcast and hear what you were going through as you were going yeah. through. Yeah, well, they'll go back is- and listen to my podcast and then write a fucking Huffington Post article about <laughs> yeah. me and I'll be taken down. For- yeah, you're going to be done for. You're not hosting the Oscars or oh, any dude, fucking no thing. Way. I've already, I've already put all that stuff aside. And just be like, I'll, I'll be done for in a few years. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I, I, I don't even, I mean, I've, there's so much dumb shit I've talked about on my podcast where people could just pull one sentence out of context and be right. like, see, he's a bad guy. But it's, I don't, I don't understand. There's people who, they do that shit like it's their job. The craziest one where it was whenever, uh, during the All-Star game, the baseball, they pulled up tweets from that guy, Josh Hader. Right. Where it's like, who is at home running people's... What a little bitch, yeah. Yeah, I mean, how do you... How does that... That's so unhealthy, where it's just... How are you sitting at home watching a baseball game, and the guy's pitching, you're like, oh, let's run him... Let's run his name through a racism generator or whatever. I wonder if he fucked up ever. It's like... When he was 17. Who... Who... Is doing that what kind of punk snitch? It's like somebody did that to Kyler Murray after he won the Heisman. It was like USA Today or some right. people from there. They're like Kyler Murray called his friend a queer on Twitter when he was fourteen. Literally, that was the whole thing. Right? Is he called his friend a queer on Twitter when he was fourteen? Just happy to get somebody in trouble. I don't understand that. I don't either. It's fucking crazy. And you're I not mean, winning anything. Like if you're uh, if you're of that side and you're like, we we've got a champion this social movement. Well, it's like, all right, well, <laughs> you're making your, you're, you're, you're hurting your, your own, own case. Yeah. Yeah. You, you didn't win. You didn't win the White House. You didn't win Congress. You didn't win the Supreme Court. You knocked Kevin Hart off the Oscars. So like you're, you're really put on a suit and do something. If well, you're you taking down your own guy, yeah. your own people, it doesn't yeah. even matter. Like Kevin Hart's, a pr- I would, um, is a pretty liberal dude. I imagine so. But it's, it's like you're taking it down your own side. Yeah. 
for something that happened 12 years. That, the new Louis C.K. thing, the talking funny. Oh, that talking funny thing. It's like... It's been on TV for 12 years. And you're taking down your own people. It resurfaced. Like, what do you mean you re- it resurfaced? It's been... For a decade, it's been available online anytime. And then it's people are like, oh, Jerry Seinfeld. Look, oh, Jerry Seinfeld. He's, oh, I stand Jerry Seinfeld. Like, it's, I love Jerry Seinfeld. And then it's like, yeah, but it's also, I mean, everybody has fucked up. Jerry Seinfeld was boning a seven, 16, 17-year-old chick not that long ago. But it's like, and, oh, and but they started coming for him. Like, as soon as the Louis thing came out, they're like, yeah, Seinfeld doesn't see the humor in that. And then immediately I saw someone. Well, it's the same. Like, You're, you did it too, Jerry. Yeah, well, I, I, I thought you were saying, yeah, I retweeted the same no. thing where it's like, it's like, oh, here's Jerry Seinfeld. It was, I saw it on Twitter where it's like, after that, it's like, oh, here's Jerry Seinfeld dropping his 16-year-old uh, girlfriend off at high school after not saying the N-word. And it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. He was like 30 then, wasn't he? At least. Yeah. He was old. He was in his like early to mid-30s. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Where it's like, it's just, you have to, I guess you just pick and choose. Everyone what- is horrible. That's what if you travel back. I don't know if there's enough. if there's if it la- if it's gonna last or if the world's just gonna end or what we. I really don't know what's yeah. gonna happen. I don't know. It's the either. worst time ever to be a public figure. Right, which is if you don't attach yourself to that. I've noticed the ones that don't get in trouble are the ones that just don't capitulate. You just keep it moving. People are criticizing you. What? Who gives a fuck? Though it's it's as soon as you start to backstep or say sorry, that like if Kevin Hart would have come out and said, you know what, fuck you guys. I'm hosting the Oscars. Yeah. Then the Oscars would have had a decision. But if they decided to go with him, it would have stuck around long enough to where some other movement would have picked up and been like, oh, why do you want him fired? So you could put a white person on a host? Oscar so what? Like, yeah, Oscar and, so and, what? <laughs> well, yeah, that's what Dave Chappelle did out whenever people were mad about his special. He was just didn't say anything. I think... I don't think Chris Rockstar has said anything about no. it yet, and I don't Bill think Bill Burr will. won't. Like, when people say, what do you say to people who were criticizing your special? And he goes, who? I walked down the street, no one criticized it. Yeah. Who, who are these people? Same thing where he'll... I, there's a few interviews I've seen where they're like, what do you think about the Louis C.K. thing? He's like, what the... What, what do you think about the Louis <laughs> C.K. thing? Where he's like, why are you trying to get a headline out of me? Yeah. I'll just like turn on these people. Just trying to get a sound bite. And I've learned... Even you know this, you do even like local or regional media and you do an interview with somebody and you whatever it is. And then the article comes out and you read it and you go, that's not really what I said at yeah, all. That's and you thing. wonder what it's like for someone who has a national following to do these press junkets, how hard it is not to say something that could be taken out of con. Like I could point to newspaper articles where I could look at and go, that kind of makes me seem like a douchebag. Yeah. I didn't say that at all. Yeah. Absolutely. Imagine if USA Today was doing that to you it, it, for millions of people. How many people would hate you? I don't, I really, I think I. It's it's fucking it's so awful, and there's no way it can, it can't last because no. it, it. I mean, it can and it probably will, but it's like it's not good and it doesn't make sense. That's the only reason we haven't made it big, Bruce. It's because we're getting put put no, down by KGT. No, you and I are just waiting in obscurity. Until this sensitive until climate they, is over, and then we're going right to I mean, the top. Until baby. they pull put enough people down, and then it's <laughs> and then it's our time. So, back to close out the martinis. We do it for six months. Comedy competition, uh, five hundred dollar prize. We go for a couple weeks after that, and the and the crowd, all the criminals stop showing up on our night. Eventually, there it thins out, and the crowd thins out because they finally know we're going to be there. And you're on stage trying to garner some excitement. So you start asking questions, like calendar fact questions, and whoever would get them right in the audience, you'd throw them a martini. Oh, trivia, bucket. yeah. One and, of my questions was, uh, what's the very first lyric in Tupac's Hit Him Up? And people would all get it wrong, and I'd be like, no, it's the beginning where he goes, 
I ain't got no motherfucking friends. That's the first letter. And <laughs> that's people good. always think it'd be like, that's why I fucked your bitch. But it's the, I ain't got no friends. There it is. There's little questions like that. I was trying to play the crap, play that to my. And crap. it worked like a charm. But while you were doing it, I bumped Joe Alanis, who never got on, by the way. He always came out, but he didn't do it. Smart move. Smart move. <laughs> that's a veteran move. Yeah. He's like, ah. I elbowed Joe Alanis and I said, well, there it is. And he said, what? I said, tonight is officially the last night of comedy open mic. And the first week of Trivia Night. <laughs> <laughs> Once I realized how much better trivia is. And the week after, like, they kind of disbanded us. And then three weeks after is when the first person was allegedly murdered at the place. So luckily it happened when it did. And the murders just kept coming. But about four months in is when we went on to Rocket Shop, where we still are today. Yeah. And that's a good venue. Yeah, it is. So we dealt with the bullshit to get to the good venue, where you did all kinds of shows there to start us off got like Kyle Kinane in there, uh, brought some good comics in and started filling a room, which is where we really took hold as a venue. Now, some crazy shit's happened in there, too, over the years. Yeah, dude, best, the best one is my girlfriend, uh, ex-girlfriend's mom taking a poop on the floor. <laughs> didn't want to bring it up unless oh, dude, you come would. come on. <laughs> didn't want to bring Dude, I'm here to, to spill the beans, baby. Her mom was a sweetie pie, by uh, the dude, way. She, she spilled Until she shit on the floor. She, she spilled the beans, if you she, know what I'm saying. Yeah, she, was, she was hot. She yeah. was hot to trot that. She night. was. Like, I I remember that was uh she's the for those folks listening my uh, ex girlfriend nice lady uh she's you know, she's fine yep <laughs> <laughs> really uh, she's like three nice ladies yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect mm-hmm. uh so her mom was there also you know a nice lady she has her own uh, demons and uh, she's pretty uh, pretty uh, not so lady and she got fucking wasted at the rocket shop at a show uh, Tiff Myers was the headliner that night great show and. Uh, she took a, a a big steamer on the ground behind the merch counter at Rocket. In Show. the manager's office. Was it? The, I thought it was in the the no, merch. It, it was in Mike's office. Oh, really? Yeah, she shit the floor in Mike's office. Jesus Christ! And she had a merch table T-shirt. Yeah, well, she, she was... grabbed a one or two Rocket Shop T-shirts and wiped her ass with it, <laughs> which is unreal. And the manager's mom had to take her in and get her cleaned up. And yeah, all. it's crazy that we have still had comedy after that. Oh yeah. We did a full meet and greet after that. It was really wonderful. Yeah, but it was it was really kept under wraps, except for like a few people. Kept quiet until, you know, the next week when you brought it up as soon as you got on stage. Oh, yeah, I got on stage and I was like, my girlfriend's mother. Because <laughs> you have to get out there and own it. Oh, dude, it. I mean, it happened. It was, that's, he still talks about that. It, I mean, we're talking four years ago. Yeah. Because it's worth talking about. It's the best thing that's ever happened there. Yeah, so, I mean, shit, one the fucking health code people to find out about that it really is <laughs> it really is rock and roll oh yeah it's full ggl like if a tiff would have done it you'd be like the legend <laughs> <laughs> that's a sam kennison style he took a shit in the manager's office <laughs> like a bill hicksian he didn't want to be held down by the man so Dude, he shit in his office he took a fucking he she shit right on the ground mm-hmm. i wonder what she's up to her mom i don't know what she, either of them are up to well after you guys broke up she got busy for uh, like she was really busy online oh yeah she uh, without getting too much into it because she really is a nice girl but she freaked out on a couple of us you mainly (laughs) (laughs) but also she knew we were buddies so she was calling me like leaving bitching me out like leaving it was right when facebook audio messages came perfect and i was getting like this fuck you you motherfucker (laughs) fuck you i'm bringing doug stan up to bakersfield and you're not opening for him (laughs) (laughs) And then it'd be like five seconds of silence and she'd go, 
Pick me up and take me to Bruce's. <laughs> you should play those on the podcast. If I had them, th- I oh, think they erased by then. Shit. And then well, she made like a Doug Stanhope Facebook profile and added all of us. <laughs> it was really a busy couple of weeks. <laughs> a busy. She- and then I never saw her again. It's yeah, a I've small been, city. Yeah. You'd think we'd have bumped into each other. Maybe her and Yolalio are putting shows on. Shit, I don't know what's happening. I think she's I think she's righted the ship. She's, I think she's living her best life. I I do believe she's righted her uh her uh her spaceship yeah, you're probably internally, right. but I don't know. I haven't seen her either. I talked to her a few times, but then I was like uh, <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> yeah. I just deflected. We've done man, I I should wait till Joe Alanis comes here to talk about the Roy Ashburn show. Oh, dude, the Roy Ashburn? Yeah. Do you, the, dude. I mean, we can if you want if you want to dive into this. Well, before before we do, you moved to Los Angeles uh and it's gone really well since you've been there. I mean, you're you're in regularly at the Ice House like you've Yeah, it's pretty decent. The comedy scene in LA as opposed to the comedy scene in Bakersfield. Do you have your martinis like shows there? And is it is it equally crazy, or is or the crazy one the version of crazy ones just kind of like sad? Uh, it's pretty. It's the crazy ones are just sad because the cra- There's not really any crazy one where it's crazy audience. By the it's way, yeah. just crazy comedians. Average age of comedian in Bakersfield, like on the come up, like twenty seven. Average age of L A comedian on the come up that I've seen is like forty eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that. There's a lot of what you see in L A a lot is people who. Or they get older and they just people that just don't can't come to terms that comedy is awful and that comedy <laughs> is awful. It's unfair. There's no fairness to it whatsoever. The funniest people aren't the ones getting ahead the most. It's like people just have to like everything you've ever heard about like show business is terrible, blah, blah, blah is also so true. true. But it's like whatever you just get to the fucking base camp of it and you're like seeing how terrible shit is and you're like wait what that person that per- that person's awful like they, right. they they've never made one person laugh ever but it's like they're on netflix it's like what's happening but it's just like you if you stay in that mindset you'll just fucking poison yourself over and over and over again yep. so it's just you so just much block of, it out it, you just have to just it's so hard to do i've unfollowed so many people on instagram that i like i like these people but i have you have to do that otherwise you turn poison on yourself and you're like this person sucks why are they getting all all jaded and it's like i like this person they're nice they're not i mean they're my not really my i don't do that to any of my good friends i'm not a psychopath but it's just none of your good friends are like that no and that and that's how like that's how i know when you're buddies with people in la or like your girlfriend who's also a comic when i see you around them i'm like i know they're funny because yeah, he wouldn't th- be able to be around them if they yeah, weren't funny that's what i mean i i actively dislike unfunny comedians right. i think there's a lot of people who don't do that like oh he's a nice guy and it's like no. who gives a fuck what are we doing no, here not really we're not here to be f- i'm not here to be to be f- like say show friends <laughs> <laughs> but it's like People that I have a, like a lot of that's all I hang out with is comics, but it's like I have a like the group of main people that I hang out with five or six, seven other people. They're all very funny comics, right. and if they're even if they are like just decent at comedy, they're great at something else. Like whether it's like filmmaking or like something. Exactly. It's it's not me saying like oh I only hang around people if they have some use to me. Yeah. But it's like people that are. But odds that are I want to be around because they're funny and I want to. And the way that they say how you do one thing is how you do everything. If you're shitty and unaware that you're shitty at the passion you've chosen to follow, yeah, odds are that transfers to the rest of your life. Yeah. So I can't trust you to be a legitimate friend if the one thing that you're focused on doing you do terribly and you have no idea. Yeah. 
that's what, I mean, there's so many people. It sometimes makes me feel better, but it's like it's not a good way to think. But there are so many people where I'm down there and I'm like, I'm wasting my life. But it's like there's people there who are like, you've never made one person laugh ever, yeah. ever. And you're out here like you have your like you bring like your wife or girlfriend and exactly. like your kids out here. It's like you're out of your fucking mind. Exactly. Or like you said, you have that person that's Netflix famous or like has a huge following. And then you do a show with them and you go, oh, they're not funny at all yeah, they're just doing like there's tricks you can do to make a crowd laugh where there's yeah they're just do, doing those like there was a, I, I was on a show with a, a big comedian and who's doing really well and I'm sitting there and I looked at a buddy of mine 10 minutes into this person and Zach and went oh there's no jokes this person just has a big following plays to the following and says words that the following tends to yeah. laugh at and that's it. I can point you in the direction of one of these specials that's on Netflix. It's only 30 minutes long. But if you watch it, you'll be like, unbelievable. Yeah. But it's just people that are, there are a lot of people, there are a few people who are funny and uh, good at like the game or whatever. Yeah. There's some people who are legit gamers where like you see just them and you're like, you're a fucking genius. Where it's like, I there's people that I'm like somewhat like, not like great friends with. People that I'm friends with where I'm like, you're okay at comedy, but you are such a good fucking gamer. Yeah. And you know how to be when these people are around and like, it's tough. It's tough to mi- mix the two. But there are a few people who are good at mixing the two. Where it's just like this person is a fucking gamer, and it's like gets booked at all the clubs, and it's like this person is awful. <laughs> and it's like it's it's crazy, and you, you can't stay in that mindset because it's fucking poisonous. Well, that's but. the other part that you learn is that most of the decision makers aren't minding the store. Oh no, they're like the club, the club managers, and the, like the big time headliners that might take you on the road aren't watching your shit. No, and it's like all these industry people are fucking Coachella people. It's like, like they're, they're yeah. people not people I ever want to be around. Yeah. They don't their the, their taste is not my taste. So it's like but the good somebody was talking about this the other day is that the best part about any of this shit is like whenever you are thinking like oh I th- like you get this poisonous thought where you're like this the, my stuff is not for these type of people. Right. It's like that this person doesn't I didn't get into this. I didn't get on this show whatever. All these gatekeepers fucking change out every two to four years pretty much it's just they just move on to the next thing which is good. club bookers only stick around for like i think they're like average is like three years top so it's really like it's just you got to get the next one exactly at some point like that's the way i see a lot of these things i'll just i'll work with the next one if you stick with it yeah you'll you'll crack through it's just yeah, a matter that's of the whole, biding your time the whole thing is that the people who are in charge of all this shit change out and they go other places in the industry yeah. and I, I liken the the comedians that get popular a lot of them to like bakersfield restaurants like it's good because people have just said they're good for a long time and they just kind of build this theme so yeah you're right if the change out happens all we can do is just hope we we get through the cracks yeah and it's like you can't stay in this mindset it's fucking poisonous to continue to think like this but it's it definitely happens a lot but it's like i'm saying i mean i just don't like being around people who aren't good right do you have a craziest story or weirdest thing that's happened since you've been in la ah shit dude let me think here um <laughs> we had a good one together one night when we were at flappers <laughs> which one you remember that they did, they did like that stand up without a net and for some reason everybody in there was just miserable and unhappy oh yeah and they do that they do that set list thing where they give you like you get fresh words but they're not really words yeah, it's like acronyms rhino toaster yeah. you gotta like do a bit about that uh, the rhino toaster yeah it's all and we just terrible. went up there and made fun of the whole thing like you're not supposed to say the word we went up and just said the word the whole time yeah, just made and, fun yeah they wanted everyone, to throw something at us all around stage mad at us yeah i'm trying to fucking think. of course i have but i god i'm the fucking worst um 
I mean, probably there was a night where uh, there was a night where somebody got shot at the comedy store. Were you there? Uh, we, we were on our way there because we were going to go watch Roast Battle, and then somebody was Damn. like, they just started, people were posting about it on Twitter, which is one of the funniest things I saw after that. I forget who, I think it was Benji Aflalo. He tweeted, it was after that somebody had gotten shot on the patio and died at the comedy store, and he tweeted and was like, tragic night at the comedy store. None of my jokes landed. <laughs> <laughs> You've done Roast Battle a, a time or two, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's and you, and you're a champion. I've I've uh, I've won. A, I don't. I think I'm like three and one, maybe it's one, and two and one. I don't. Really, I but it's the same thing where I, I'm not super into it. I like it, but it's like, it's it's not. I'm, it's not my thing. I'm the same way. It's fun where I enjoy doing it. I'll do it every now and then with one of my friends or something. But yeah. it's just not. I just don't. I, I was just talking about this with Margaret in the last episode. Is I just don't like that. That's that's what's selling right now as opposed to I'd rather watch those two comics do their best 20 minutes yeah. and crush the room rather than have to shit on each other for me to tune in. Yeah, well, what, that... I'm not saying that's going away. The roast battle is going gonna, is gonna to remain popular because it's like a... Like you say, people love contests, but it, when it's done right, it's incredible and it's yeah. so fucking fun, but it's just like there's so much... There's so much volume of it. But what was big for a few years was like the gimmick show of like where it was stand up, but it's like you spin this wheel and yeah. then you do the joke about that or like that stand up within a net show, which is really all going away and it's all veering back into regular comedy. Which is what you want. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But it is kind of a nightmare whenever it was, those gimmick shows were really popular for a while. Yeah. And it's, all it takes is one to get popular, like Roast Battle. Kill Tony, which you've done that one too. Yeah, and I watched that, and you did a good job on that. And then I like I watched the comments, and like you'd have a bunch of hearts come up and do that thing. And then the comments is just people trying to do their own open mic. Yeah, comment, and they're like, "This guy's fat. This guy's gay. <laughs> this guy's retarded." It's just all fucking. Yeah, it's. But I'm, it is cool to get in front of that big an audience, I guess. Too, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's there's so much, there's so much shit that it's just like it's so hard to just focus on your own thing and like. Trying to steer your foot, put blinders on and not pay attention to what other people are doing. It's such a nightmare. How soon after you moved to Los Angeles were you approached to do Laughs on Fox? Dude, I wish I was approached to do Laughs on Fox. <laughs> Is that still around? No. They, you had to submit for it. I didn't submit. I feel like every... I've been on shows at, like at Flappers and there's a 12 comic lineup and I'm the only one and 11 other people have done laughs on Fox. There was a lot of people who did laughs on Fox. <laughs> yeah. Which is a really funny inside joke me and uh, Brian Vokey will always do between like, like <laughs> we see like a nice car or something like, dude, as soon as I do laughs on Fox, I'm like, <laughs> 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 or like people, somebody dressed ridiculous will be like, dude, as soon as I do laughs on Fox, I'm gonna start dressing Get like to that the guy big right time. There. Yeah. Yeah, like if you were, if you're familiar with Los Angeles, you know exactly what laughs on Fox means, but that is enough to maybe get you a headline spot in Modesto. Oh, like for sure. For the because then it just says you've been on Fox. To the untrained ear. Yeah, you're like, this person's done network television stand-up. Yeah. Well, it I mean, must be big. That's what's crazy is what constitutes a credit or whatever, where it's like people... Oh, shit, our battery's about to die. Oh, shit. Dude, we'll have to run quick. this thing to the dude, break. Right. I'll replace them if I gotta. I'll say, but if it, di- if it, it like dies, that. will it erase? I don't think so. It may. Oh, really? I don't know. Have you done one of these before? I've... I've I'll tell you myself. what, let me, let me hit stop on this. And we could just do a few minutes to finish after I change out the batteries. You good with that? Yeah, of course. Okay. Breaking the fourth wall here. Uh, 
Can you hear me okay? Oh, yeah, this is good. We're back. We're oh, back. wow. Look we at this. We were talking laughs on Fox. Part the... two. Do you have your text all sent out? Oh, uh, I texted my mom. My mom, me and my mom. You didn't have to say it. You could have just said your agent. My agent. Uh, we're going to go I'm see. I'm your agent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I was texting my Asian. Uh, we're going <laughs> to go see uh, Vice had, about I, Dick Cheney. I uh, had uh, fun tonight. <laughs> Dude, that's, <laughs> that's a great joke. I, there's, so, I, there's a lot of jokes that I've just moved on from. You just tabled them. I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever do anything with them. Isn't it funny those old jokes you have? Even though they're good, you look at it like in, like the outfit you wore when you were fourteen. Yeah, like, uh, not to thinking. Yeah, I've got a bunch of those. Yeah, too. there's like two jokes I have that I've been doing for like two years. There's one joke that I've been doing for like five years that I'll pull out every every once in a while. Every yeah. once in a while, just to yeah, I just like put it into another. Every once thing. in a while, I'll pull out like the second bit I ever wrote and just squeeze it on in there. I'm yeah. like, all right, we'll do Still this. Still works. We'll do this tonight and see what happens. Yeah. Dude, you ever gonna have Warnock on, dude? Uh, I haven't seen him. He deleted me on Facebook. I have him on LinkedIn. He just celebrated his 62nd anniversary doing comedy. Because <laughs> 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 he says he's been a, com- a comedian ever since he was born. Since right? he was born. Dude. If you could, man, if you could explain that guy to people, he does a show at Tony's Pizza like every couple of weeks. Oh, I told you about this. I said we should all crash it. Oh, yeah. He's a, he does, he's play a, really loud music the whole time. Geez, he's a, what a... He was he was a guy, one of the first guys I met at Martinis, and he would be back then he was just kind of a dick to me. He would he like he was sitting across from me like, this is after a couple of weeks and he's like, Do you know what timing is? Oh yeah. Do you know Chris, have you ever heard of timing? You ever heard of timing? <laughs> he would give books to people like in this condescending way of like you should read and learn this. Oh, man. I mean a, a big dogger with nothing to big dog. I mean, man. Same. You you used to whisper his act while he was doing oh, it on yeah, stage. Oh yeah, I will forever. Yeah. So he had one laugh in the back of the room, and it was me. Me because I was doing his act in your ear. Yeah, exactly. The right. funny when well, he would do this joke, be like, "When I took this girl on a date, and uh, took this girl <laughs> on a date over to the Mexican food restaurant, and he said I ordered a." I got a combo plate, uh, <laughs> two sides of rice, no beans. Came out, had two black olives on uh, on each pile of rice. And I was like, this looks like some chi-chis. <laughs> and then the, the best part about that whole joke is he said that he didn't have a, he had taken it, which is almost kind of funny. That's the one funny part of his whole thing where he would say that he took his, uh, hit all the seats out of his car except the driver's seat for, <laughs> to put furniture in the house. Yeah. So he said he had to duct tape this girl into his car, <laughs> which, I mean, he probably is just duct taping people anyway. And he, that's, had to, right. he had to duct tape this girl into the car and then... Uh, after the thing, he ripped all the duct tape off. He says, "Hey, I don't remember you being bald when I picked you <laughs> yeah. up." That's the. If you heard it one time, you'd giggle at it. Yeah. But we heard it for a year and a half straight, every single night. Dude, he's tightening the act. I'll never forget after we had the first Flail Family Thanksgiving, uh, right where you're sitting now. Big Thanksgiving dinner for all the comedians. Like the week after, he decided to have a big party at his house. Did you go? <laughs> Fuck no. No, fuck no. <laughs> it was basic, and but we showed up, and it was a party that was just a shrine to him. Like, he ordered a giant Cataldo's pizza, and there were just pictures of him as a young man all around the house that we had to tour and look at. And if you stopped to chat with somebody, he'd get all pissed off. Like, he played guitar for Naomi, and I was joking around in the back of the room, and they said that he was he wanted to kill me that night. <laughs> <laughs> he put his guitar through your head like Jeff Jarrett. That's another reason I like when you're around town is because you get to inform all these little kitties of what things used to be like when we first got started. <laughs> and also, 
I'm too nice to these people sometimes, and so they're out in the patio bitching and moaning about me, and you do the generous task of informing them of what you would do if you were in that room and they were acting the way that they did. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were always telling Chris, was like, these people are, oh, man. I love that. I love when someone comes walking into the room, and I go, what happened? And they go, Bruce just told me I suck. <laughs> I said, you won't put me on a show, and he's... Bruce said, good, you wouldn't let me do comedy if he was still around. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what, too, where I remember I went to Rocket Shop one time, and people were just acting up. Yep. People were acting up, and I went on stage, and I hadn't been back for a little bit, and I, had, I went in there, and there's a lot of people who I didn't know, and they didn't right. know who I was, and I was like... They just know this guy from L.A. Yeah, and that's what I was like. I went on stage, and I was like, I want to tell you guys that I started... This open mic, pretty much every open mic in town, and that, and I was like, that is one of the biggest mistakes I have ever made, is giving you fucking idiots a place to talk publicly. Like, yeah. What the fuck are you doing? You, I, that's right, because it was under former, there was a former manage. it was under former management, you looked and you went, I don't know what you did to this room, but it shouldn't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, what are you guys doing? I was like, you guys are all just waiting, you all gonna go up late because you wanna make fun of your friend instead of fucking writing something? What are you doing? <laughs> Everybody hated it, and they, except for like you and I was you rolling. And I think Joe and Allie's were like, oh, we were yeah. We were rolling in the back of the room and, and they were, were just like, this like guy's a fucking dick. whipped puppies. Yeah. Like, you, fuck, you guys are fucking up. Yeah. Now it's gone through a renaissance and that place is busy again. Yeah. The cyclical nature of comedy. That's what they needed was a, a yeah. good talking to from somebody much younger. Good. Than <laughs> yeah. Like, Who the so, fuck is this kid? Before we do a quick touch on Roy Ashbert, is there any, anything else from the LA comedy scene? Do you have a weirdest one? A weirdest? It's just, it's all just such a nightmare. It really is. Is it really? It's so bad. It's, I mean, there's fun parts and it's like, you're blessed, to, you're, you're blessed. Hashtag. To, you're hashtag blessed to be able to like interact, like just be around good comics. But yeah. it's like, there are so many, it's, it's just breeds so many psycho, like Eric Warnock is nowhere near what this shit breeds. Cause it, okay. it breeds, LA breeds the idea of stardom. Right. Like it, like it, like it. It like you're special. It, it well, it's that, and it's like people think that they could come here and be a star or right. whatever, and it's like that nobody wants to put the work in. Right. People just like think that they're are, are deserved something, and it's like people don't understand. Like people will come and they don't understand why people will just go up at the open mic and right. leave quick because yeah. it's like people are like I'm like religion, more stuff to do. More, there's more stuff to do. It's like people that are like you go up if you get up early at an open mic you're like hell yeah I'm fucking on to the next one because yep. there's people there's a lot of people who are working hard and it's like actually are like trying to do shit right. and there's just the fucking people are just hanging out and complaining that nothing is happening for yeah. them and it's like what the fuck are you what'd you expect yeah it's just it's just fucking insane. Who have you come across a weirdest guy like the the Warnockiest of people? So many. Well, I mean, there's people that are just legit weirdos. Like there's this guy. Those Min ones are fun. Yeah, it, it's fun until you realize how fucking weird. How it crazy is. they are. There's a lot of weirdos. There's this guy who dresses up like the Joker and goes around to open mics as oh, the Joker. God. And then there's people who like. You know what the worst part is? That's the guy that's got a million YouTube hits on his. Oh video. yeah, there's this fucking idiot. Uh, his name is Goat Goat versus Fish. Okay. Who, uh, who he, he literally he's the worst. I hope anyone from LA is listening to this. I hope understand. you're listening, Goat versus Fish. He's the worst. I told him not to talk to me because he's he's he's. <laughs> I've told that to many people because people will go up. People that think they're fucking Andy Kaufman oh. and they go up and they they just stay in character because they think that like they go up and do some character and then they get off and they're in character and they're trying to talk to you and I've literally been like, hey man, uh, just just don't talk. 
talk to me. It's like I'm, I've have told people like I'm not doing this. Right. Like I'm not doing what you, I'm not playing your fucking game. Right. And it's like just saying this out of out of context. You sound like an no, asshole. not at all. I get that completely because you are a good guy. So if someone talks to you and they're nice. You're going to be nice and create a kinship with them. So you have to cut it off at the beginning of going. Don't talk to me because I don't have it in me to like you. Yeah, that's. I just. It's. That's. I'm almost. That's the nicest I can be to this. Being like, just let's not do this. Yep. I've like told people like, we're, I'm not. I'm not doing this. I man. need to hate you, so don't do this to yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> but they'll come up to you and they're. It's not like they're hey, like hey, how's it going? The guy's like, oh well, goat versus fish and goat and the goating oh, fish, man. and I'm doing the goat, and I've really been like, dude. Go away. This guy, he wears like a fucking Burger King crown on his head and a towel around his waist and he wears sandals yeah. and he carries around these fucking two like stuffed animals, like one's a goat and one's a fish and just talks about like how in the beginning of time there was just a goat and a fish and I'm like, dude, stop Yeah, talking, get away man. from me. And then what I found out since then is that he's some like trust fund kid. Of course. Who did, uh, yeah, and it's like, go. oh man, it's just. He's just hoping to be like the third person on the call sheet in a sitcom. Yeah, and it's not even. He's just a fucking, he just thinks he's special. Thinks he's sweet. Well, that's one of the things too is that there's, I feel like it, it'll beat it out of you real quick if like you think, people who think they're special or think they're like born Com- to do something. Comedy does that. If you don't, I mean, there it happens where people just do whatever and squeeze through. But even the people who are bad that get through, like you, ha- you have to work hard. Yeah. Like there's, you have to put in hard work, and right. like even if you're bad, like you are putting in the hours, even though you're like not naturally good. Yeah. Like you can squeeze into something, but it's just. And at some point, you will be humbled. Yeah. From it. I mean, that's I'm, that's what I'm like. <sighs> there's a balancing effect. It like I just, said, some of the weirdos might sneak through, but on the whole, goat versus fish. Gets put in his place eventually. For the most part, but then he has a podcast and people like entertain him just because, like, inter- not entertain him in the way of like, oh, I'll play along with what this guy's doing. But it's like, I, I just can't. I mean, I think it's funny that people go up and do a character and then off stage they're like normal people. I'll, I'll do that all day. I think yeah. if you're doing that, but if you're doing a character and then you get off stage and you expect me to go along with you being a character, it's like yeah. I can't. Talking to you in character, I can't do this. Shit. Like, get just—it's just always, it's just always being on. <laughs> did he break character after you told him to get away of from you? Of course not. What did he say? Of course, he's like, "Why, dude?" And I'm like, "Stop, dude! Leave me the fuck alone! Yeah. Like, get away from me." He'd be the guy that if you were ever to fight somebody, just to see him break character, just to like if you got into a fist fight with a mascot, just yeah. to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's just like there's. Which I think you might have done actually. Me getting a fight with a mascot. Yeah, did you ever do that at the Blaze Stadium? Um, no, I've. Okay. Uh, I think I've may have done that same thing where the mascot's trying to mascot to me, and I'm like, ah, I'm not. Dude, I, I yeah, I'm not uh, doing, just, I'm not doing on. the bit. Let me, let me. I'm part of the show. I got. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm with you, but yeah. Where it's like with that, it's like sure, if you want to do a character, or whatever, just leave me just alone. Just do it because you're off. not, you're making comedy worse as yeah. a whole. You're making people think even what more freaks these people already are where you have like those failed commercial actors that go and they just do their like they're basically just doing a tryout reel on stage all the time yeah and then you have like street magicians and shit that like climb on stage yeah it is pretty crazy i actually know a magician who's pretty good i actually almost got beat up by a magician not long ago Uh, (laughs) or did you or did i (laughs) well that's what i was saying too is this magician wanted to beat the shit because i was uh i was dating this girl uh this is all all wrap up uh I was dating this girl, you okay. know me, and the, her ex-boyfriend was a comedian, magician, whatever he was. A magician. He, he did comedy, but he would think he was not more of a magician. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what if his If you have was. magician in your name, you're not doing comedy know. to me. I didn't, I didn't know he was Jonathan. a magician. I thought he was just a, like an 
uh, like a comic that didn't really do it. And then uh, he, uh, so you know, I'm, I'm. This girl is like her ex boyfriend. He's like, he's like, this guy's an asshole. I hate this guy. And I'm like, yeah, this guy's a fucking loser. Yeah. Like, I'm like making fun of him also to her. Yeah. And then uh, they get back together. Oh one no, day out of, I know. <laughs> so then she, of course, tells him all the intricate details of how I was making fun of him. And he's like, hey, I'm gonna fucking kill you. And so I was just thinking about how funny it would be to fight a magician. Like you're ch- you got a, a guy in a chokehold, and then he all of a sudden it's, it's just his clothes. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, you like have a ring around his neck, and he just breaks the seal on yeah, it. Yeah, turns no- it into three rings. Yeah, there's nothing you can do. That's hilarious. Um, this Roy, a- well, I, we want to talk about this Roy Ashburn thing. Yeah, let's. So this cl- this we'll lady this, this lady that. hit me up, and she was like, "Hey." Uh, there's a we're doing a show like a, a uh, like a filming for this documentary for Roy Ashburn. If you don't know who he is, he was this big anti-gay politician, and then uh, he got caught doing the uh, the airport toe tap. With, I'm pretty sure he got caught. No, like, he got pulled over for DUI, leaving a gay bar with like a go-go dancer. Okay, boy. so he was he was in the in the process of doing. So something. when you yeah when you hear a politician who's like huge outspoken against gay rights exactly what you would think he was doing roy was doing he was doing it and uh so he's doing all kind doing this stuff and then so he's like going on some like speaking tour where he's like gay people aren't bad and they like, yeah. they changed his mind completely so this lady hits me up and is like hey uh, we want to do like a crowd warm up thing like, which can- by the way what would what could they have been thinking i have no idea like, okay we've got a disgraced politician who used to speak out against homosexuals, who in turn is homosexual and a conservative and trying to turn his career around. So to to garner some support before the show, I guess we should have some local comedians kick yeah. off and not give them any language restrictions. And they're all about eight months to two years in comedy. It was a nightmare. So then she was because she was like, hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, sure. And in my head, I was like, this is going to be bad. I asked her, I was like, can I bring some of my friends yeah. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do it together <laughs> and she was like sure and originally she was like we'll give you we'll pay you guys like we'll give you like i think she i think what she had said originally was like three hundred dollars and i was like to split fuck yeah. yes i was like that sounds awesome a little inside baseball bruce told us that uh she was going to pay us fifty dollars each so true to form she i don't remember what <laughs> true, it was I, true to form 200 I, in the kitty and 50 to me and joe what i do remember is i don't think we ever got any money we didn't it. and yeah. that's the reason we could tell the story because they also wanted us to sign a non-disclosure yeah but as yours and my attorney, I we don't have to be held to that. She didn't never. They, we never got any money. We never for signed it, we, and they never so paid. She us. she just to, we get there and the lady like we're in an elevator. She's like, all right, we have some people in holding uh, that are going to come in. Can you guys go out and like talk to them, whatever? They made us dress up. Yeah, they made us dress up nicely. And then the lady looked directly at me and she was like, I saw some of your material on YouTube and you have so a few gay jokes. Uh, Mr. Ashburn is a homosexual. Like, if you cannot do that. So I've heard. Yeah, so I've heard. And then we go in there to where all the people are in holding and they're like... Well, first... We were just excited as shit that there was a craft food services table. Oh yeah, we were stoked about that. Yeah, I mean you and hammer in the craft food services. I table. remember that now. We were in a big empty room with so, just craft services. Yeah, because everyone else had already eaten on the staff. But we feel like we're pros now, and they take us into the Bakersfield Masonic Building, and it's this beautiful, like five six hundred seat. It's huge. Yeah, we're like, wow, we're gonna perform and tell jokes here. Like, I'm pretty sure that there's there's like a skull and bone society thing. We might be like in the, we might know the bushes after this. We were stoked. Yeah, and so then the production company, they're being so sweet to us. If you remember that, they're like, oh, thank you so much for doing this. Take all the food you want. I can't tell you how appreciative we are. And then they say, hey, we have some people in holding. Can you maybe go warm them up? So we go in there. There's people. 
It looks like a fucking storm shelter. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's all yeah, like a church basement. Yeah, we go in there, and then we're trying to, like, I remember I put on some music, and I was like, who's ready to have a good time? And like, we, we send you in first, because I, I know I can't drag this out of my belly to, like, whatever we have to do in there. So, I like, you, you're you going to have to go in and get started, and then I'll play in off In my head, you. I was like, a hundred bucks, I will fucking Anything. do I will do How this. many people do you think are in there? 40? Yeah, it was probably 40 or 50, and yeah. then people were, like, very confused looking at us, and then I was like... Uh, so, we yeah, we start doing, like, like you said, playing music, we start telling jokes, just blank stares, uh, crowd work. Nothing. Nothing. And then I was like, does anybody have any questions or anything? And one person's hand goes up, and they go, what are we doing here? <laughs> and I was like, holy <laughs> fuck. And I was like... Uh, and just a silence filled and everyone else was like yeah 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 these people had been grabbed off the street that the street wanders in the dead of the summer that are or start of the fall which is dead of the summer yeah, for us hot. just looking for somewhere cool to sit and we are like a couple of assholes in our button up and slacks and at this point we realize no one in the room knows they, why they had no here. idea what was going on they had no, no clue so we're trying to explain it and we don't really know what's going on not at on. all and then I explain that to them. They're like, whatever. And then they start filing the people into the the, bi- the big well, room. And they realize, again, this is a 600-seat venue. And at this point, only the 40 people. Yeah, there's only 40 people. There's no six, one else coming. They have a lot of chairs. I have a picture on my Instagram of all the empty chairs. Empty seats. And now we're a half hour into when the show's supposed to be. So the production company, we go into the main building. And they're freaking the fuck out. And they're changing everything. So the place where the main camera like that sits on a big machinery... Uh, is being moved to another section of the room so they could focus just on the door so they could have people come in single file and then re-loop the tape so it looks like more people come in. The other cameras are coming to face the first six rows because no one's going to be behind the first six rows. Like they're doing full-scale panic red alert changes. And we're just sitting there watching all this unfold and a bunch of confused people walk single file into the Masonic building. It was a fucking nightmare. And then I remember as soon as we were about to go on for like the main warm up, yeah. the director came over and was like, oh, what's up? I'm the director. You guys <laughs> the comedian. I tell the story all the time. People are like, you guys are the comedians. Yeah. And he's like stoked. He's like fucking smacking us on the back. We're high fiving. He's like, dude, you guys just go out and do your thing. Do like some gay jokes. Do like some Trump jokes. And then I was, I this is one of the funniest things ever. <laughs> you were right behind me, and I was about to. He's like, you guys can do that. And I was about to be like, uh, the producer said to not do any gay. I literally was like, uh, the producer. And you grabbed me on the shoulder, and you're like, we can do some fucking gay jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I literally was like about to just about to like be like, but the lady. And yeah. you, you like speak over me, grab my shoulder, like, oh, we can do some fucking gay jokes. Yeah. Like, and just, oh, man. And then speaking of magicians. You go up, they ask you to go up first, and somehow pull a rabbit out of your hat to make the start of this whole thing go well. Yeah. You get up and you start, you tell some gay jokes, and you watch the production crew all look at each other like, we told them not to say that. We told them not to say that. <laughs> and we and Joe are on the side, yeah. like just pumping our fists. And then, I don't know if you remember this, how you ended the thing, but you go out into the crowd, and you, wireless mic, you go out into the crowd and you go, okay, guys, look, here's what it is. We've got Roy Ashburn. He's a gay politician. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to get his career going again and get it back up. And we all know him, right? And they're like, okay. And they're like, no, we all know him. And we're all going to pretend we know him. And he goes, so you walk into the crowd and you go, so let me tell you, sir, when they were going to shut down that senior center in town and your grandmother was in danger, who saved it from being bulldozed? And, and you, I put you, the mic up to his mouth. And you whisper, Roy Ashburn. <laughs> 
put it in his face and he goes, Roy Ashburn? And you go, that's right. That's right. And when your daughter needed money for her cheerleading camp, who was the one that raised the funds? And someone else, and someone takes a microphone and people are full of shit. So he just grabs it and he goes, Roy Ashburn. (laughs) That's right. And you did it to a third person and the place is like, they're stomping, they're all excited. And the producer goes, we're just rolling right into Roy. We're just rolling right into Roy. So they made you introduce him right there. Yeah. I was like, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> give it up for Roy Ashburn. <laughs> Place goes bananas. Roy comes out to start his somber speech. It was totally not what the room needed. <laughs> no. He went out and he's like, hello, everybody. <laughs> everybody shut the fuck up. <laughs> he goes out and he, he has the say. He's really quiet and he's just like. Oh man, I screwed up my life and you can too. Yeah. But anyway, as you as you get all of this support from the room, they say bring Roy right up and it's at this moment that Joe and I realize we came out for nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah nothing cuz I was expecting I was doing that and I was like You were going to bring up Joe. Yeah, I was going to bring up Joe and he was going to come out and do whatever and then the lady was like we're going straight to Roy. Yeah. Like the, we have the crowd. <laughs> and at that point like I said the production crew was so nice to us of like thank you so much. We appreciate you so much so that when they told you to introduce Roy and you brought Roy out I was like I guess it's time to go. But I I didn't want to bury the show if they needed us for something. So I leaned out to one of the production ladies, the one who told you not to make any gay jokes. And I was about to say, uh, do you, can we leave? Do you still need us? And they went from, thank you so much, to as soon as Roy was out there, the lady goes, I don't care. Just get out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she wasn't stoked. It was the director. As soon as they didn't need us anymore. Just fuck you guys. No, no anything. No money was ever seen. Never. (sighs) This is such a... Just sent home, giggling like school children afterwards, but still sent home. No money. They were rude to us as we were on our way out the door. Just wanted us out of there. And that, that... changed how i looked at show business and politics is when i really realized that it was all bullshit just like you said that there's no fairness it's all random it was at that point that i realized oh this is all just made up yeah like before that because i'm from a small town in northeast pennsylvania i don't know if i told you (laughs) that but when we watch like new year's rock and eve or like the award show concerts when you have all those people in the front rows and like wow they all look excited and they're all good looking and have perfect teeth and they're kind of dancing in unison at that point it was the first time after the roy ashburn thing when i watched and went oh they're just fucking hired extras yeah they're getting paid but people where i'm from don't know that yeah people just think that there's like that's what tv is for people in the middle of the country it is it's for it's for it's just horse shit to fool people in flyover towns i mean yeah there's all there's a whole industry of like in la you can i do that shit sometimes when i'm really broke where you could just get get paid to go sit in the crowd of a tv show and cheer right like i'll go to prices right and shit sometimes it's Like, like most of America, when they watch the Super Bowl halftime show, think that the audience on the 50-yard line is re- were really just excited and ran out there as normal people. Yeah. They have no idea that it's just yeah, extras. They're all getting that. Six bucks. Well, I mean, if you watch, if you watch movies, it's crazy. To, you see people in the background of movies, you're like, oh, that guy's making minimum wage. That guy's, if it's now, it's like, oh, that guy's getting, what, like a, a $98 for eight hours. Exactly like right. Thing. And then uh, the most fucked up one is uh, American Ninja Warrior. Uh, okay. That's the fucking craziest sh- production I've ever seen in my Why life. Why is that? It's every single person in the crowd is being paid to be there. Oh. They fucking walk around. They hand out signs that are already made. You, they hand you signs to hold up and cheer. You're like, go Kyle. Yeah, <laughs> we like Kyle. He's our guy. If he can't 
do it, whatever. It's like all these signs, and you're supposed to be like cheering for the thing. And the the shit is real. The people are out there busting their ass. But oh, they like, actually do the obstacles. Oh, the obstacles are real. That part that part is legit. But I was every, hoping it was fake. Yeah, they all have a fucking thing tied to their back. <laughs> yeah, it's all so fake, and it's just people are just cheer. You're cheering because you're getting paid, and it's overnight. You're freezing. It's like three in the morning when they're shooting that shit. It's terrible. It's all there's a whole industry. That's just audience. It's stuff. just all horse like the shit. Steve Harvey show. Steve Harvey has so many TV shows that they have to pay people to watch them. Yes, like he has like Steve Harvey legitimately has I think nine TV shows. Jesus, because he has Little Big Shots, uh, Little Big Shots that for it's older people. He yep. has the Steve Harvey show. He has Family Feud, Celebrity Family Feud. Yep. He ha- he does a radio show. Steve Harvey is the most miserable person in the world. He has to be because he was a king of comedy. He hates his life. And he changed his whole trajectory to just appeal to middle-aged white women, basically. Dude, it is terrible. I mean, even that, like, court TV shows. I did a court TV show last week, and it's like I'm, I was out there faking like I'm, <laughs> like I'm suing my old Wait, roommate. Are you going to be on TV? Yeah, Judge Maybelline. Do you know when it's going to be? <laughs> no, I need, to find, I need to find it out. Can you speak on the results, or is this gag order? Uh, well, I we mean, probably it, should wait till it comes out. Gives a fuck you out. can come back and we can promote the episode. Dude, I already got my seventy five bucks. I can't. You're, you're <laughs> I'm good. fucking done, dude. You're good to go. So I was uh, I was suing <laughs> suing my old roommate because I thought he stole my watches. Yeah. And me and this, it was cool that the guy I was doing it with was actually competent. We both got kicked out of the courtroom for talking too much. And like, oh wow. We, I mean, she ruled in his favor, but I'm just infuriated the judge. The crowd was loving it. Is but, this a fake story? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's all fake. Yeah, but I mean, I didn't know if you had an actual thing with your roommate. No, no, okay. it's all so fake. I think Judge Judy might be real. Yeah. But every other show is so fake. I yeah. mean, they shot 16 cases that day. Yeah. They hand you 75 bucks cash on the way out. Do you have to approach them with your story? No. You go in, they tell you they, in the morning. Oh, they tell you what yeah, you're going to do. I was there for probably four hours. They brief you on the story. You got to go through like two producers and tell them like what you're going to say. How do you get into this? Uh, like, how did you get signed up for I, it? Uh, I just fucking submitted on the casting website i used to submit for everything that i do and they brought me in for an audition the audition was a nightmare i had to audition with three other people that i didn't know yeah and they were all just yelling over each other and i'm like didn't get that and they called me they're like can you be here tomorrow at 9 a.m and i was like absolutely of course i can yeah i'll be there can tomorrow. i bring one of my friends <laughs> yeah I, I was like i'll do nothing i'll fucking be there and uh it's just an it's next time you're on a court tv Bring me on, and you can sue me for putting your likeness on my podcast without yeah, approaching the, you about it's, it. It's um, yeah, the logo. Yeah, it's show business is is so awful. It's so fa- I mean, everything you've ever heard about show business, what you think is exaggeration, is a hundred percent legit, and it sucks ass and worse. It's terrible. Yeah, but uh, it's uh, see, uh, it's not a no. The nightlife, uh, it ain't no good life, but. Uh, it's my life. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a life for me. Yeah. What a great place to leave it. <laughs> and he's a he's a fighter for the last bastion yeah. of realness, which is stand up comedy. It's a uh, it's a it's a whole nightmare. But if you could do it as a career, what a life. Hopefully, we can one uh, one of these the days. Only, we're gonna crack through. Hope. Until then, see us on the People's Court. Yeah, that, I would be lucky to be on the People's. Oh, Court. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm doing Judge Maybelline. <laughs> <laughs> any any means. parting words before? Uh, go to, uh, c- c- come on, check out some local comedy here in hey. Bakersfield. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. And there's listen, a f- there's a few funny people. Listen to the Friends Forever podcast. Oh, listen to the Friends Forever Sports pod- Idiots Sports podcast. Sports Idiots, uh, 
follow Little Shit Productions on online. Got a new uh, web series coming out. You got some good videos online I, too. I like them. I'm actually happy about them. We got a, a new web series we're working on that's going to be out uh, every other week in 2019. Okay, when does it, when's the first episode drop? Do you I know? Think January 1st. Keep an eye out, folks. This will be out next Little week. Little Shit Productions, folks. Little Shit Productions. Follow that, Bruce. OG Bakersfield Comedy, thanks for joining us. OG, triple OG. OG, triple, triple. We'll do this again and talk about some more uh, uh, crazy shows that we've done. Maybe maybe throw a little Pismo Beach in there. Oh, dude. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Dude. All right, thanks, man. Thank you. Okay, I apologize. I know the audio in this portion here is shitty, but just wanted to transition so you know what you're getting into. As I promised in this episode, please enjoy... One of the craziest nights that Bruce and I both performed at Martini's Lounge for a bachelorette party of insane people. Enjoy. I just got a jacuzzi ball offer. Do you guys know jacuzzi balls? I heard about jacuzzi booty. I was doing a show with a black comedian, he went all out. He's like, you know, when you touch that booty and it just ripple for a while. You know jacuzzi booty. No? Crystal. I don't know, I don't know, Crystal. Hey, Are you guys all related?
been a blackjack. He's obviously been a blackjack dealer at some point in his life. Or sold, he's had a mattress store, or sold used cars, or something like that. This is the strangest world I've ever seen in my life. The white country guy is breakdancing and the black table is being offended. I've never seen anything like this before in my life. There you go. Felt my tits tonight. No! Yeah. Those are not me. Yeah. They're not me. And I. They're not me. My security here controlled. I heard. I heard from this. I heard from this table tonight. Not just I'm finna go outside. hip-hop abs, but we're bringing it to martinis tonight. Sponsored by hip-hop abs. Hip-hop abs, abs, ladies and gentlemen, making white people dance in rigid, straight, and strict movements, which is just the same way white people dance anyway. I've lost the room. We're throwing fake elbows, drinking Dixie cup beers. Skin is ashy either. Should have loosened up. Should have loosened up before you came here. She's pouting now. So we're going right back to the right here. We're going right back to this people right here, the blackjack dealer Monique and my girl from TLC, Black Guy Lopez. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. The blackjack dealer is dealing his own hand tonight. It is Chocolate Wednesday for my smooth, gray-haired, Timberwolf man in the front part of the bar. <laughs> That's right. He's just taking everybody home tonight. I don't know how he's doing this. It's amazing. This is as far as half Roadhouse, half Showtime and Apollo right now. And everybody's peaceful, except for the person who's on stage trying to get everybody to get along. Thank you guys for that. If we can see another worm, that would be fantastic and work boots. Caller! Taking your own drink here. Taking, calling her own shot. We got Whoopi Goldberg drinking her own shit. She don't need anyone. Pouring down Southern Comfort for a Southern woman. I am looking at the strangest, I'm looking at the shiniest Chicago Bulls hat I've ever seen in my life. That's why Derrick Rose broke his ankles, because he couldn't see shit because of that hat. He needed to turn down for what? Turn down that hat. We got the stunner shades on. Somebody who doesn't like anything I'm saying so far. 
Hey, Chris Slam, Chris Slam just killed it. 